We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Buffalo Bills finished their preseason with a record of 2-1 after falling to the Carolina Panthers last night, 21 to nothing. Punter Matt Ariza did not play last night after a civil lawsuit was filed against both Ariza and two other San Diego State players. This suit alleges that the three raped a 17-year-old girl at an off-campus party last year. Here is head coach Sean McDermott after the game on the Ariza situation. It's not a situation that, that I or we take lightly whatsoever, and it's very serious. I understand the sensitivity of the situation. It's clear we have work to do to continue to figure this thing out here. The Bills will be back on the practice field later today at 3 o'clock, and head coach Sean McDermott is expected to speak with the media before practice today. Around the rest of the NFL, the Cowboys take down the Seattle Seahawks 27-26, to and after the game, Seattle named Geno Smith the team's starting quarterback for Week 1. The Saints went over the Chargers 27-10, and the Raiders dominate the Patriots 23-6. to Tonight, eight games in the NFL, three of which are on the NFL Network. Jaguars at Falcons kick it off at 3.30, Rams at Bengals at 6, and Vikings at Broncos at 9. College football also officially begins this afternoon. Some of the major games today sees Nebraska and Northwestern at 12.30 in Dublin, Ireland, Wyoming at Illinois at 4, and Hawaii taking on Vanderbilt at 10.30. And in baseball tonight, the Mets take on the Rockies and the Yankees square up against the A's. That's your Paddock Chevrolet Sports Update. Paddock Chevrolet with you for the extra mile. I'm Zach Jones for WGR Sports Radio 550. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. We got at Nate Geary Sports. And uh, Nate says, Merry Christmas to everyone except for Tom Brady, who is probably watching his own documentary with his family this morning. Sports Talk Saturday. We were watching the highlights of last year's Super Bowl, which we won, but we weren't watching the <laughs> <a> documentary. <laughs> Does Nate actually play sports? Emotional damage. On WGR. You good? Not that it gets. He died of emotional damage. Sports Radio 550. Yes, yes, good morning. Welcome in. Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary here in the driver's seat for the next couple of hours. We've got... uh... (laughs) 
I almost got got. Ha! Oh, man. Somebody posted from a fake Buffalo Bills account uh, the signing of Odell Beckham Jr. And it looks so real. Look at this. They, I mean, they went through the I works. almost, like, I scrolled. Wow. I'm making the introduction to the show. I scroll down. I see Buffalo Bills. It's official. We've signed Odell Beckham Jr. And it's got, like, Odell sitting down in the room signing a contract with the Buffalo Bills emblem in the bottom left. His Buffalo shirt on. Signed free agency in the background. Like, the fact that they have him, like, sitting down. Like, clearly the picture you get eventually of a player signing. That's effort. That is effort you don't see all the time. <laughs> the response is a lot of go bleep yourself. You know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining I am not the only person. Uh, a number of friends have been texted early this Saturday morning, going, "Guys, we got OBJ," and immediately followed by, "Never mind." Oh, classic. All right, everybody. Well, welcome in. Uh, sorry for that quick distraction. I uh, I was not I was not ready for that. <clears throat> nor is anybody this morning. Um, so yes, yesterday obviously the Bills they lose in their preseason finale, twenty-one to nothing. That was not really the story at all of yesterday. It was a lot of um, the lead up to that game yesterday and. Um, you know, whether or not Matt Ariza was going to play in the game. And, you know, there were reports early on from before the game, 3, 4, 5 o'clock, um, that, well, he had obviously already traveled with the team. And yesterday, right around, uh, right before kickoff, as the team was entering uh, the field of play to warm up, it was Reed Ferguson and Tyler Bass and no Matt Ariza. And at that point, it had, uh, it had been known that Ariza was not going to play in yesterday's game. And then the game happened, and of course, as, as I mentioned, it was sort of secondary um, to the things happening uh, with Ariza and the organization. And um, from there, what we learned is that yesterday, Sean McDermott, who spoke with the media after the game, an emotional Sean McDermott, um, gave us, I think, maybe more information than some of us were expecting. Um, there was a level of empathy and a level of emotion um, that I'm not sure I was expecting to see. Um, but I think it was important to see. I think it was an important first step to admitting that, um, you know, the, the handling of this situation was less than ideal uh, from start to finish. And whether it's the information, hopefully we learn today, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily hold my breath um, with Sean McDermott speaking again today at 3 p.m. We won't be able to carry that live here on WGR uh, because we won't be on air. Um, but Sean McDermott is scheduled again to meet with the media before their 3.30 practice today. I would guess we're going to kind of hear more of the same that we heard yesterday, which, again, is an acknowledgement that this is an organization that is still learning information. Um, this is an organization that is um, really kind of trying to seek the truth on what exactly happened. Uh, and it's an organization that has learned, I think, much over the last 24 hours uh, about the gruesome details that I don't believe that they were privy to during their, quote, investigation. So, um yeah, I, you know, we're we're going to play back the interview and the press conference from yesterday of Sean McDermott here in just a few moments. But I, I did kind of want to set the stage and, and acknowledge um, a couple of things that I think it's very clear at this point that um, the Bills first original statement. Um, you know, I, I do think that that's something the organization probably would like back in hindsight um, or if not have back um, 
it's to me it it speaks to a further issue about our society um in particular about public relations which is these very brief very short um you know generic statements and the value of a generic statement and you know, I think the value of a generic statement works when you put it on TV. But in the social media era, um, to me, generic blanket statements don't have a lot of value. And generic blanket statements that, you know, maybe don't say enough um, tend to be a negative and tend to go the other way. And I think we're kind of seeing that a little bit. And and listen, I, this is not just the fault of the Bills. This is the general industry of public relations at this point. This is, it's it's very reactionary and not very proactive. And I think the Bills are understanding and understand the position that they're in now and the shift to being more proactive. Having Sean McDermott not start that press conference yesterday by, hey, you know, there was a game being played and we know that you guys all want to ask questions about Matt Ariza, but we're going to talk about the football game. That would have been a giant mistake. And kudos and credit to Sean McDermott for walking on that stage, walking in front of that microphone on the podium, and basically saying, and again, if you didn't hear it, we'll we'll play it back for you, but the first sentence essentially, I know we just played a football game, but there are bigger things than the football game that was just played. And I think that acknowledgement, I think, went a long way for a lot of people that had a lot of questions. And listen, I part of this is... A level of recency bias. And maybe that's the wrong word for this, but the recency bias I'm referring to is the Cleveland Browns and the situation and how that organization, without empathy, without compassion, handled the signing, the trading, and ultimately the largest guaranteed contract in NFL history was awarded to this player. And in every stop, their PR department and their public relations strategy was to minimize and be unempathetic towards and it was a huge mistake for that franchise. And you know what? As big of a mistake as it was, I think the 15 minutes, for the most part, are over for the Cleveland Browns. The next news cycle has happened, and it's Matt Ariza. And I do believe that the Deshaun Watson thing will come back, um, will, will, will rear its ugly head when he is back playing football for the first couple of weeks. I'm sure fans are going to give him the business and he's going to have chance and hear scumbag and hear all this stuff, right? Like that's, that's what he's going to hear for the first couple of games back, maybe for the rest of the season. But then what? Our society tends to move on from these sorts of things. And that's the sad reality of it is the news cycles. And that, let me tell you, is what exactly the Cleveland Browns were banking on. That's exactly what the league was banking on. They weren't expecting the backlash for Deshaun Watson to last as long as it did. And it did. And they were forced to levy a larger suspension against him because of the consistent public backlash. And what the public backlash proves in the case of the Browns and now the case of the Bills. In a dumbed-down version, in a silly way and a light way of saying it, bullying works. Wanting to hear the accountability and not letting people get away with blanket PR statements, that stuff works. This fan base means a lot to this organization. And I believe how the Cleveland Browns continually and consistently handled their PR crisis showed that their fan base meant very little to them.
In fact, winning meant everything. Even if it meant sacrificing the relationship that a majority of their female fan base felt that they could have moving forward with them. They were comfortable spitting in the face of their female fan base. If it meant getting their franchise quarterback and having a slightly better chance to win a championship at some point. I give the Bills credit for deciding not to have that and share that same public relations strategy nightmare that the, that the Cleveland Browns rolled out. And having the owner go on stage talking about how he's a, young, he's a young guy and deserves second chances. And deserves, you know, our benefit of the doubt. That is not what happened yesterday. Sean McDermott did not go out there asking for us to give this player the benefit of the doubt. He, in fact, didn't ask for anyone to give him or the organization a benefit of the doubt. What he asked for was patience. And I believe that's going to be a really hard thing for this fan base. And by the way, rightfully so to wait for. I don't know that you, if you are this, if you're Brandon Bean, if you're Sean McDermott, in the window that they sit in today, which is a Super Bowl favorite, not contender, favorite that you can allow this black cloud over your franchise in this moment. You know, do they want to wait this process out? I believe they do. They've got a history, by the way, in both instances, of being on the right side of it, particularly the the LaShawn McCoy incident. They waited for it, they got the facts, and they decided to stick by the player. And the player was not found guilty of the crimes he was accused of. And I think now, with where we are as a society, as it, especially in the social media realm, of how we react, how we support people who have been victims of sexual assault or rape, has changed the way that the NFL is trying to go about this. Now, is it the change we all want? No, it's not. It's not extreme enough of a change, but it's a change nonetheless. And for the Bills right now, what they're going to have to decide is whether or not they're going to stick by a guy who is accused of the most egregious you can be short of murdering someone, gang raping a minor, is the most egregious crime you could be accused of of as a man short of murder, they have to decide whether the facts that they've been given were given A, in good faith, and B, whether they were true. And now they have to determine if the facts that have been brought to light in that lawsuit two days ago, the new information that you'll hear Sean McDermott refer to, he said he's not going to lie, They've gotten new information over the last 24 hours, and that was dating back to last night. They're going to have to decide whether they have the capacity internally to wait this out. I don't envy their position. Regardless of their decision, they're going to have to find another punter. Matariza cannot play for you until this is over. He can't. He won't. So even if you decide to stand by Matt Ariza, what does that look like? Because it's not you standing by and him playing football next Thursday or two Thursdays from now. That's not what's going to happen. 
So what is standing by and being patient and allowing the information to lead you to the truth, as Sean McDermott said? I don't know. I don't know. So we're going to play that back for you right here. Matt Perino of New York Upstate is going to join us at 1130. So we're going to play this out. Matt and I are going to talk this out, do a little reaction to it. So the first hour, we are going to spend a lot of time today um, on the comments that Sean McDermott made yesterday. Um, We're still waiting to hear if there will be additional press conferences today. We know that Sean McDermott will meet with the media at 3 p.m. But I know there is a desire from this fan base to hear from Brandon Bean. I would like to hear from Brandon Bean. I'm not sure if we're going to hear that today. I know we're going to hear from Sean McDermott again. But in the context of recognizing that a young woman has been brutally hurt in this, and she is the priority of this, by the way. And anything anything short of that would be wrong and disingenuous. She and her mindset, her health, her mental health, everything. That That's the important part here. But I felt bad for Sean McDermott yesterday. That he had to go out there and flail like a fish out of water. It's very obvious he doesn't have enough information to make educated responses to these questions and that's not an easy position to be put in as the leader of a franchise as the face of a franchise which is this head coach he's the communicating face of the franchise but he's the head coach he oversees the football team Brandon Bean is responsible and lead and ownership is responsible for conducting this investigation for likely and we know that the team's um you know Legal counsel was involved in this. And with respect to an ongoing criminal investigation, which is what's happening, there is an ongoing criminal investigation. So with respect to that, I believe we are going to hear a lot of, we're not going to be able to answer that question. I believe that what they can answer and what they should answer is helping everyone understand the timeline when they knew what they knew, and what more did they learn, and do they feel misled? Do they feel at any point Ariza or his attorney misled them? Because I think if they believed that or if they thought that, Ariza would have not made the trip back with the team yesterday. But again, it's it's difficult for me to get around and get through this because we just don't have the information available to us. 803 803- 0551-888-552-550. We're going to play Sean McDermott. Let's go to the phones first before we do that. And I'm happy to take your phone calls, your reactions today. Um, uh, let's go to Chance, who's on uh, our uh, who's on hold here. Chance, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Um, I want to know why the Buffalo Bills pay all these scouts, all these investigators. Uh, Buffalo Rumblings, I believe, came out with an article today that I read saying that they did not know uh, during the draft about this, but other teams did. And why, why, why do they pay these guys so much money if they can't, you know, find out this basic information that San Diego State knew, the, the kids at campus knew. You, you didn't send one of your guys out there to talk to some coaches or teammates and find this out because clearly his teammates knew. And, and it's an abomination that he's still on the team. There shouldn't be any more fact-finding because at the very least, at the very least, According to the L.A. Times article, he admitted on tape, and I, I trust the L.A. Times, I trust them, 
at the very least, he admitted to sleeping with a 17-year-old, to having sex with her. That is proven. That's on tape, a police tape. So let's say the gang rapes false, which I doubt it is. He had, he had sex with a minor. He's got to go. He's a six-round partner. It shouldn't matter. I don't care if it's Deshaun Watson. It's disgusting. Just get him off the team. It stinks that it's two weeks from the season we're dealing with this crap. I, I've been killing the Browns, killing the Browns fans, mm-hmm. killing these bums that call up until innocent, until proven guilty. I didn't say put them in jail and throw away the key. I just don't want them in the NFL and on the Buffalo Bills. And if I hear any clown call in, you're an idiot, and say innocent until proven guilty, you're a joke. You're, you don't call. Don't call WGR with that BS. What a joke. You're a fool if you do that. And it's an abomination to Bill's Mafia. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Chens. Um, yeah, listen, I, when they knew what they knew, um, that's information that I do hope we learn here over the next 24 or 48 hours. Um, but I appreciate, I appreciate the call, Chance. Let's hear from Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, again, who uh, met with the media after the game uh, yesterday in Charlotte. Okay, uh, I understand there was a game just played, but I want to uh, talk about something that's more important, which is uh, what we have going on with one of our members of our team right now. Uh, and Matt Ariza it is a situation that is extremely um, serious. Uh, uh, just hard to... Um, go through and um, uh, it's not a situation that that I or we take lightly whatsoever and it's very serious I understand the sensitivity of the situation um, and we got it's clear we have work to do to continue to figure this thing out here and uh, and we're going to do that Um, so with that I'll turn it over to you Sean, when, when exactly were you made aware of these allegations against them? Yeah, Jay, I'm not going to get into details right now. I hope you can appreciate that. I respect your question. Um, I know we made the statement we did last night, and, and uh, I'll leave it at that. I, I certainly can appreciate that, but given the severity of this situation, what in that rather generic statement says to you that that's an adequate response from this organization? Yeah, again, Jay, I'm, I'm not going to get into details right now. Um, so I, I respect that. All right, well, what makes him a great kid, which you said earlier this week about him? Again, I'm not going to get into um, who Matt is and, and his character and all that type of stuff. I don't think that's right right now. Uh, I can tell you this. My, my, my heart and thoughts and prayers go out to the people involved, right? And uh, that includes Matt and includes uh, both sides here and, and, uh, and uh, the victim and and uh, and everyone involved, um, our prayers go out to them. Are you satisfied with the organizational response to this point? We have work to do. We have work to do. Why did you not play tonight? Um, you know, it was my decision, and uh, at the end of the day, I didn't feel like it was right. It wasn't right to do that. So. Coach, how much does this dampen the spirits of this locker room? Where you want to start? When did you make the decision? It, I mean, Mookie, it's. I mean, it, it is something that is is that that I and we take very seriously, and um, that's that's where that's where we're at. 
I'm sorry. When did you make the decision that he wasn't going to play tonight? Uh, it's you know at some point today. Um, you know, just, um, just felt like that was the right thing to do, and that's that's what I'm after is doing the right thing. He is, yes. Do you anticipate him being on the roster as of Tuesday? Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into that, Jay. I, again, respectfully, I, I'm not gonna go into that right now. It's clear, like I said, it's clear we have work to do here, um, and figuring this thing out. What, what, what does that work involve? The, the team statement said that you did a thorough investigation. There's more work to be done. So how thorough was the investigation? I'm not going to go into details on that. We've got more work to do. What's your message? It's obviously a serious situation. What's your message to the females in the Bills Mafia fan base that yeah. are obviously hurting right now with yeah. what's going on? Yeah, I mean, again, it's not a situation we take lightly. I'm hurt. I understand they're hurt. And, uh, and uh, uh, it's emotional. It's not easy to, to hear about some of the things that I've heard about over the last um, several hours, say, and, uh, you know, haven't slept a lot, to be honest with you, because this is, this is a game, but there's other things that are more important than this. Matt put out a statement uh, to his agent during the game, said he's, he's going to prove, prove, he's looking forward to proving this wrong. Do you believe him? Does the organization believe him? Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not, I'm not going to go down uh, that road right now. Um, again, we've got some work to do here, and, and uh, we've got to figure this thing out here. Were you aware that he or his agent were going to put out a statement? No. No. Do you have a reaction to that statement? Did you read it? Have you seen it? I'm aware of that statement uh, since, since the game, and I'm not going to make a comment on that. You keep saying that the organization has more work to do. Why do you think it's just you know a matter of trying to find the truth at the end of the day right that's that's the goal is find the truth and do the right thing and that's what I keep coming back to in my mind and my heart is find out the truth to the best of my ability and do the right thing foresee a time, maybe not tonight, but when you can provide more details on the exact timeline of what you knew, what this team knew, and when they knew it. I'll see, Jay. I mean, I, I can't, right now, I just, like I said, we've got a lot of work in front of us here, a lot of work, and um, we got to figure this thing out, like I said. What did you say to the team today? Uh, you know, we just, the, the guy, they, they know. Um, you know, this was going on here and, you know, with all the stuff that's out there and, um, um, you know, just about the, we talked about the seriousness of the situation and, and the sensitivity of the situation and, and um, you know, that, that's real. I don't think it's, uh, again, respectfully, I don't think it's, it's the right time to do that. Um, other than that, I appreciate the, guy, the, the player's effort. Um, I don't take that lightly either. Uh, it's on a separate, whole separate scale. Um, but I don't think it's the right time to talk about it uh, respectfully, the, trying to be respectful of the situation here. And I think that's the right thing to do. Sean, can I just ask, do you feel like not addressing this, letting it fester, letting fans continue to 
get upset about that? Is that something that you're concerned about at all? The organization? Absolutely. Concerned? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's all of it, all of it. That's that's one piece, but it, it's it's all of it. Uh, I'm concerned about all of it, and uh, again, people involved on both sides. Um, people are hurt. Um, people are hurting. Fans are hurting. Um, I, I understand that, and again. Um, we want to find the truth and, and figure this thing out the right way and, and do the right thing. And that's what I know to do, and that's what we're going to work on. In terms of finding the truth and all that, do you feel like that lied to you and the team? Yeah, I'm not going to get into that again, uh, respectfully, Lana. It's, uh, you know, just working on, working on finding that truth. And, uh, That's where we're at with it. Do you have a timeline on when that process will... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Take place. 
you know, I, I don't. Obviously, I hope sooner than later, Jay. Um, so I'm, I've been working on it. We've been working on it. It hasn't been easy. Um, uh, and again, it's again. I just want to get to that answer as soon as we can. Um, um, but you know how things sometimes work with with, with these situations. There's um, you know, things on both sides with with legal and attorneys and everything like that. So. Again, just trying to put this all together and and uh, do what's right. Do you feel like you were misled at any point by any of the parties involved in this? I'm not going to get into that. Um, again, it's it's getting into details that I can't get into right now. Um, so. How much did you learn in the last 24 hours that you didn't Uh I would say there's there's been some. You know, there's been some, and, and I'm not going to deny that. <clears throat> um, and that's why I have more work to do on this. Yeah, I don't want to get into that, Elena. Again, I respect your question. I, um, I'm more trying to be solution oriented right now, um, and that's that's where I'm headed. And that's where we need to be headed. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. That is Bills head coach Sean McDermott. That's from last night. That's post game after the Bills 21 to nothing loss to the Carolina Panthers. We're going to take a timeout on the other side. Matt Perino, New York Upstate, is going to join the program, get more reaction. Matt was there at the press conference live. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to Matt and, and, and get his thoughts on everything from yesterday. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Okay, y'all, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday rolls on segment two. We're headed to the West Her Hotline because Matt Perino of New York Upstate joins me to talk yesterday, the game, but it was the stuff after the game that uh, that made the most headlines. Matt, good morning to you, my friend, and thanks as always for joining me. Hey, buddy, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. So, um, you know, you were there yesterday, you know, I, I was here back at, at uh, our Amherst studios, and, you know, we had a chance to listen to the press conference, and um, you know, listening and having a, the ability to watch it also on television, um, <clears throat> the emotion in the room, um, I thought was on display. And even if you only, if you heard just the, the audio version of the press conference, um, I feel like you could, you can kind of feel Sean McDermott's emotion and empathy and, um, listen for the things that it's apparent this franchise has kind of gotten wrong in this situation thus far. Um, it felt like yesterday was a, was a turning point for how they're going to handle this thing moving forward. Yeah. I mean, there's how, how do you unpack something like this? We haven't done a show yet. We're our, our, our post game podcast. We moved to 1230 today so I could, you know, spend some time just digesting all this and it, it, it's a lot. And when there's this kind of serious, serious, um, accusations that are in play. You just want to be very measured with everything. And I think from the Bills' perspective, listen, I, I agree. There's things about this whole thing that haven't been handled well. When you come out with a statement and aggressively say that you did an extensive evaluation of the situation, I mean, how extensive could it have been if you're learning things after the news breaks from the L.A. Times story? Or LA Times story? Uh, so Sean McDermott was asked about that, and he said, I'm not going to deny the fact 
that uh, I've learned things over the last few hours, and some of it's been hard to hear. And so, you know, how this plays out from this point, it's anybody's guess. But to your um, point, the emotion in that room on both sides of that microphone, mm-hmm. um, from Sean McDermott, and I was sitting in there with uh, Elena Getzenberg and Jay, Jay Skirsky and Mookie Hawkins. And, you know, you, you want to get it right in, the, in these moments. And, and, you know, they have to come out. They have to answer questions. They have to answer for all of this. And we try to have the questions ready. And I was, I was proud to be a part of that group. I mean, as somebody who teaches journalism, you know, uh, professionally, um, I thought there was a lot of good journalism happening in that room yesterday. I concur. And, you know, I think the unfortunate nature of our media nowadays are blanket PR statements. And... Um, and a lot of times meaningless blanket PR statements. And, you know, I think if there's one thing that the Bills could probably want back, it would have been releasing a, a very short and nondescript uh, PR statement uh, the, the the day that this kind of came to light. And, and you know, Sean didn't maybe say as much, but I think his words and his responses to a lot of those th- those questions that we heard yesterday um, indicated that that statement put him in a really difficult spot. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It, it almost felt like he was still grappling with it. And um, I've talked to people that, you know, were down on the field level and, you know, seeing him during the game. I mean, you could feel the stress level. Um, I saw him walking out on the field before the game, and then obviously I saw him walk from the post-game um, locker room into the media room. And he's always all business. Like, don't get that wrong. I mean, he's always got a, uh, you know, a sense of business about him. He's a, he's a serious guy. But you just you could feel a different tone. And this affects all of us. This, this isn't just about um, a football team. This is about a woman who was, I mean, I can't even t- like say it as a, as a father of a daughter. Yeah. Um, it's just sickening. It's th- to have somebody go through that. You want everybody involved, everybody that touched it to have to pay for it. And I think that in a lot of ways, what you, like you mentioned, he didn't really want to go into the details, but Sean said he wants to do the right thing. He wants to get to the bottom uh, of the story. He wants to find answers. And listen, I can respect that if they're still going through uh, a process that, you know, evaluating this thing, um, but, yeah, still a lot to come of this story. The Bills uh, are practicing today. Uh, we were scheduled to talk to Sean McDermott at 3. They've moved him back to 4 and practiced from 3.30 to 4.30. Um, so th- that'll be the next stage in this. Matt Perino here on the Wester Hotline from New York Upstate. And, yeah, Matt, I, I, I think the, the next phase of this is where fans are really most concerned about is, you know, what – what the team knew, the timelines they knew it, and um, you know whether the information they were originally given by, um, you know, in this case by the by by both Ariza and his in his his team and his team of lawyers, and frankly the investigative team. Like, do you expect us to learn more information, or do you listen? I, I 
I know that most people might consider it a cop out saying like there's an active ongoing investigation and we're just not going to, you know, talk about certain things. But that is a reality. Um, there are certain things they're simply not going to be able to talk about. And a lot of that just stems from there is an active criminal investigation going on. But I do believe that part of what people probably feel they're owed is an explanation and timeline of knowing what the team knew and when they knew it. I mean, the questions aren't going to go away. Nate. I mean, this isn't something where you get two or three weeks or four, four uh, games into the season and then the questions stop getting asked. And this is something that's going to be brought up pretty consistently. I mean, he's still on the roster right now. I don't know what's going to happen today and in the days to come and whether or not that changed the changes the narrative. But for every minute that he stays on the roster, I, I think that there is a sense of the majority of the fan base wanting answers for what, what the bill's role in all of this is, you know, people are out there painting pictures. I mean, we've seen the, the back and forth, uh, you know, mostly on the, uh, uh, the one lawyer side uh, for the uh, plaintiff uh, in the, in the civil case. And, you know, some of the contentions that, you know, the they, they tried to reach out to the bills and there was an initial conversation that was a report out there. And then uh, it kind of went silent a little bit um, getting answers on what that actual timeline was. It's important. And I think that, you know, Sean McDermott did, didn't say that they're not going to give that information when they have it. I, I think that, they're still in the – it does seem like the organization, right or wrong, felt a bit um, caught off guard by all of this. I mean, with the way that it all happened, with the statement that was put out, and then just the, the, the lead-up to the game, to, to bring Ariza to the, uh, Ariza to the uh, stadium and then not have him play, and just all the kind of weird steps that happened along the way, I think that they were just – they were going step-by-step step through this, and there were – you know, they're still trying to figure it all out. So I would imagine you would hope as a fan, as somebody that lives in this community, that they figure it out and, and uh, do provide those answers here at some point, you know, in the not too distant future, like McDermott said. Yeah. And part of this, too, I think, is a desire to hear Brandon Bean talk, Matt. And, you know, there, there was a level and part of me yesterday watching and listening to that press conference that. Um, that felt bad for Sean McDermott because you're you're talking about him being a, a an all business kind of guy, and I think that's right. And I think part of this is I don't know how much Sean McDermott could have known. He is so entrenched in the day to day as this team's head coach, um, and they're in the in the process of trying to evaluate roster positions and guys who are going to make this team and who aren't. And I get the sense that you know the information that Sean McDermott was given about this was probably very limited, and for him to have to go out there and kind of be a fish out of water, um, having to answer these questions that I don't think he was probably prepared to answer, um, doesn't feel great to me. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't feel like something that, that sits well with me. And I think because of that, I do really want to see, I, I would really like to see Brandon Bean speak on this at some point. No, I think that he will. Um, I think that, you know, the bills do have a process. Like I, we were talking about it. I, I wasn't surprised about, how this wasn't made available. He doesn't tend to talk. Um, uh, I do think this is the kind of situation that you'd, you'd hope for them maybe to veer a little bit. Um, but I thought that I didn't have a problem with McDermott speaking on it only because he's so entrenched and he's so involved in all aspects of yeah. the organization. Like nothing really happens in this organization without Sean McDermott 
knowing about it. I mean, he's in the draft room. Uh, you know, he has a good relationship with the Pagulas. Um, and so I didn't have a, a huge problem with that. But I do agree with you that at some point, I mean, I've requested Brandon Bean. Uh, we're waiting to see if that's going to be something that's considered for today. I don't know. Um, but it's just a situation where it doesn't matter who talks, whether it be Terry Pagula, whether it be Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott, at some point here, you want answers. And when is that going to come? And we're going to keep asking the questions. And that's one of the things that's kind of taken place today. And this is always going to happen. Listen, I don't expect everybody that is a, is a Bills fan to be a, a journalism expert, right? To understand the role of the reporter and the media. And I know that those lines are much more blurred now because mm-hmm. of the great contributions that we get from the fan media uh, contingent content creation and yep. everything like that. Nobody's a bigger supporter of that than me. You know that, Nate. Yep, of course. I love it. I love the conversation, being a part of it. But there's a, a role that the traditional reporter plays, especially in these kinds of situations where we are required, our, our duty, our, our ethical code calls on us to ask and ask questions and seek the truth. That's journalism 101. Mm. I teach it every semester. And so that's what we were trying to do yesterday. And we're going to continue to do it. Matt Perino here on the Western Hotline. Matt, I got a couple more for you. And, and, you know, part of this goes to sort of the psyche yesterday. And I, you know, you heard Mookie Hawkins ask the question. And it, at, at, on its face value, it felt, and maybe harmless is the wrong word, but it felt like a harmless question from Mookie. But I, I could tell that it struck a chord with Sean McDermott based on the way that he answered it, right? And he kind of paused. And he paused for so long, Matt, that someone had started asking another question. And. Then he sort of answered it in a way, right? And, and, and he kind of asked it by asking a question or answered it by asking a question. And I thought that that was really telling to me that he knows this is affecting, in one way or another, the rest of this, this roster. And I think if for nothing else, what I think that will speak to is how much longer Matt arises on the roster. This is maybe even less about their ability to wait and more about their wanting to wait. I don't, I don't know why there would be a desire to have this hanging, this distraction. And, that, and I hate placing that word because it feels like it's minimizing the acts. It feels like it's, it's minimizing right. the victim. And it's not the intent to do so. But what this is, is this is a great distraction for a team that is not just in a Super Bowl window, Matt, but the Super Bowl favorite. And we've got... 13 days or 12 days, whatever it is, before they play their first game. And I cannot imagine a scenario where they are going to continue ask, answering questions about this in the lead-up to game week. I just I know that in a perfect world, Matt, that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, they probably want to wait for the legal process to play out, but they can't wait and simultaneously play this player. He can't play football for this team. So if he can't play football right now, like, what is next? Right. And, you know, there's a couple pieces to this as well. I mean, you're first and foremost, like there was a report out, I think it was the Associated Press that talked about, um, you know, talking to five anonymous exec- league executives about the draft and like whether or not people knew about it. And three of the executives said that they didn't know about uh, this. And two of them said that they did. Uh, the three that said that they didn't said, well, to be honest, we weren't really going after it too hard because we weren't considering even drafting yep. a punter. Most right. teams don't consider drafting specialists. So to your point, to this being a distraction, yeah, at the end of the day, and I said this on the pregame show before we got 
rained out, uh, and we had to kick it over to Tim and uh, Heather to, to save the day. Um, it's a punter. Yeah. This is supposed to be one of the best offenses in the league, one of the best defenses potentially in the league. Special teams is important. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, like, if you're ever, and I'm never making an excuse for this, this should never happen, but if you're ever kind of waiting for a player that, like, maybe means something to your team, like, this is, A, a rookie. He hasn't been there very long. It's why I kind of advocated for them to cut Jake Fromm when all that stuff was right. going on with him. Right. He's a fifth-round rookie backup quarterback that you're, you basically never want to play. But I will say, on a separate note here, this team, I think, what Micah Hyde said yesterday was really important. They trust Brandon and Sean to make these kinds of decisions based on the character of the people in their building. And so they don't let distractions happen. I mean, all last year we were talking about the Cole Beasley stuff, the vaccination stuff. Yep. I don't think it really ever penetrated the locker room. So however long it takes this to play out, they have built a roster filled with veterans and um, you know, leaders and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that that will necessarily be a problem. But I would also say that don't get it twisted that there's people on this team with, with children, with daughters, and the longer this lingers, the more you sit with that and the more you sit with all this stuff that you read. These guys, Josh Allen, the quarterback, goes on Twitter. He admits it's yep. some stuff on there. So the longer you sit with this, the more, as we know, as as two people that, you know, I don't know. I can't say much more about it. But I can't imagine how much some of the people on this team, if not all the people on this team reading this stuff, just have a hard time sitting a few locker stalls down from the guy. Yeah, and, you know, obviously yesterday, Matt, you know, I know Catherine uh, Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News reported that, you know, when she was in the locker room that there was the empty locker between Tyler Bass and and and, and Reed Ferguson didn't have a nameplate on it. And, and whether or not that's symbolism or what you want to take from that, you know, I, I – I think this this team, although I think all of us agree this the beginning part of this could have been handled better and handled differently, um, they do have a very unique opportunity to make this right, to do something that I believe the Browns failed to do, which is acknowledge people that have been affected by this and not use terms like, you know, second chances and you know try to you know try try to minimize what's been done for the sake of winning football games and sure you know maybe they won't be heroes because to your point this is a punter this isn't a franchise quarterback um but they i do believe the bills have a very rare opportunity to get this right and you know i know i know you hope and i know i hope that they do take this opportunity and they not only get it right, but they hit it out of the park. And, you know, when we're going to find out more details, I don't know, Matt, but I, I get the sense that from listening to yesterday that there is a deeper desire than maybe we're even aware of, of them making sure they get this right. Yeah. Um, I will say one, I agree. Like, I, And I do think that Sean's comments, you know, painted a picture that, you know, there is some, there's efforts happening within the organization to make sure they do get this right. And I, you could always kind of respect at least that pursuit. The one thing I kind of wish I would have followed up a little bit more on was when he said that um, he wanted to send prayers out to everybody yes. impacted, mm -hmm. including Matt Ariza. I just, that didn't, that didn't hit the right tone for me. 
um, on on a on a night where you're refusing to give any type of uh, insight into you know anything arises specific to say that I just it, it felt it didn't hit the right mark for me. Hmm. Uh, so I kind of want to hear you know maybe follow up a little bit on that today, but uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a kind of like a it's been a sad 24 hours, right? It's been a sad. 36 hours now, right? I'm trying to lose track of time. Yeah, I know, right? You see all this news and you try to, like, you remember you have a certain job to do around it. Like, we talk about this team, we write about this team for a living. But this is, like, um, you know, this is real-life stuff that, is, that impacts real, you know, winning and losing football games, as much as it means to this team or this old community, and sorry, I'm paying for my parking here, leaving the airport. <laughs> you know, it it means a lot. Don't get me wrong, but this is real life. Like Sean said yesterday, and you just want it to go, you know, you want them to do the right thing as human beings. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Um, Matt, I appreciate you. I know you, you just got off the plane and you're walking around getting out of that airport. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and, and give your thoughts on this. It's not an easy topic, but you know, I think you're the right guy for it. So I appreciate you, my friend, enjoy the rest of your weekend and some college football today. And, uh, I'm sure you and I will be chatting before, uh, before long. Thanks buddy. Have a, uh, great rest of your weekend. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, man, can you believe it? LA in uh, two weeks, two weeks, man. Uh, the weather was beautiful in Carolina. But I'm expecting it to get ratcheted up a notch here in a couple of days. No doubt, my friend. No doubt. Appreciate you as always, uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Dave. Matt Perino there on the Western Hotline of New York Upstate, joining us to uh, in reaction. He was there yesterday uh, in Charlotte after the game and, and had an opportunity to ask some questions to Sean McDermott and wanted to bring him on to uh, to chat about it. All right, 12 o'clock. We're going to shift gears a little bit here, but we'll, we will take phone calls. Um, so feel free, and, and especially in the 1 o'clock hour, we'll, we'll have plenty of time for, for additional phone calls on all of this uh, coming up. Uh, Antoine Staley of the New York Daily News. We're going to talk some Jets football. That's coming up next year on WGR. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here. Nate Geary in the driver's seat. Hour two of Sports Talk Saturday coming your way now, and we're headed to the Wester Hotline. And to join me is Antoine Staley. Antoine is the Jets reporter and columnist over at the New York Daily News, and he's here to talk a little Jets. But he also used to cover the Dolphins, so I've got an opportunity to maybe cross-train uh, cross him here and talk a little Jets and Dolphins with Antoine. Antoine, thanks so much, man, for joining me on your Saturday afternoon just prior to the first college football game of the year. Uh, I know as a Notre Dame fan, we got seven days until their big game next week against Ohio State. Uh, but some good football nonetheless on today, Antoine. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm just excited to have football on the, the tube again. And, you know, one, definitely want to watch this Nebraska-Northwestern game in Ireland. It's uh, like it's a beautiful scene out there. Yeah, that stadium is super cool. Um, I don't – I, I, I got to say I don't think I've ever seen a stadium – as unique as this one, where it kind of is like a horseshoe almost, and um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a good scene today. Uh, I bet on the game because it's the first college football game of the season. Where I'm supposed to do not bet on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you got to you got to get some action on there, especially uh, with it being the first weekend of the season. So, but that's the, definitely the one to get get some action on. Yeah. Plus, you know, I'm ready for Scott Frost to cost me money. I mean, it's it's I, that's when you know college football has officially started when Scott Frost. Yeah. <laughs> so, listen, Antoine, I know you had a chance this week to uh, be out at Jets camp, and 
overall, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, kind of what the vibes are uh, as this as the preseason is winding down and the regular season is in full focus. Um, is Joe Flacco set to start Week One? I, I think so. Uh, although, like, I think Robert Sala is kind of keeping it close to the vest right now. Uh, he's, I mean, Zach Wilson is walking around uh, pretty well right now. He hasn't practiced with the team yet. He's doing some rehab stuff on the side, but you know, it, he he has two weeks to possibly start practicing. I, we'll see if he can possibly ramp it up next week. But I, I think if he does not practice any time with the team next week, I think Joe Flacco is probably least going to start against the Ravens, and then we'll take it from there. Flacco has been, you know, getting the first team reps for a few weeks. Uh, I think the players are really comfortable with him, and I don't think they want to rush that Wilson back too quickly. Uh, they definitely want this to be a one-time thing, and hopefully Wilson plays uh, 16 games if he ends up missing the first game against the Ravens. So, I mean, what is your overall thoughts? What's your overall evaluation of how Joe Flacco's looked in the preseason and practice? Um, you know, I think from from some reports I've seen, you know, this is a guy that I think is steady. And at this point in his career, I, I don't think anyone's expecting Joe Flacco to, like, push, um, you know, Zach Wilson for this starting job or to win a starting job if he plays well in week one. But um, I do think that there is a level of, of veteran presence there in that locker room and on the on the practice field. And, you know, hearing from guys like you know, Elijah Moore and hearing guys like Garrett Wilson talk about Flacco um, and the way that he throws the football and, and and how he can, you know, take a little heat off the ball and throw with a little bit more accuracy and touch. Those are, you know, those are quotes that stand out to me. And I, I don't view them, Antoine, as like shots at Zach Wilson in any way. I just think it goes to show you the difference of a guy that's been around the league for 10 years um, and a rookie that's still kind of learning his way uh, around trying to be the best quarterback possible. Yeah, exactly. I, I think people, when I asked the question, uh, the Garrett Wilson, I think people just kind of blew it up out of proportion. I, I was just curious to see, you know, as far as like their command in the huddle, uh, obviously, you know, the the way they threw the football, things of that nature. Yeah, and I mean, Flacco's been elite for 15 years. Yeah. I mean, of course, he's going to be have some veteran presence and do some things definitely than Zach Wilson, who's still learning and didn't even have a full season last year because he ended up suffering that injury. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you know the players feel comfortable with him with Flacco. He brings the coming present at least that's what a lot of the players have told us and you know that Wilson is still learning and growing in this league and you know they hope that he can this year can be the year that where he can start to show some signs sort of what you know you're familiar with uh with Josh Allen yeah. where he struggled his first year and then the second year turned to start to turn things around and the Bills ended up reaching the playoffs Antoine, tell me a little bit about this run game, and and I think you know maybe on this is this and this is social media, um, so take take of it what you will, but you know seeing all the carries from that Atlanta game from Brees Hall, and the thing that stood out to me wasn't like ooh Brees Hall struggling, it was I wonder if this offensive line is going to be able to create enough rush lanes for any running back, whether it's Brees Hall or Michael Carter, um, to be successful this year. And and in in Brees Hall's rookie season, um, I think there are pretty high expectations that this is a running game that needs to get going to help its young rookie or young second year quarterback yeah I think now with they got Dwayne Brown is um, gonna play on Sunday against the Giants I think that certainly helps now they have all five of their offensive linemen ready to go and trying to build that uh, continuity and chemistry and I think you'll start to see a little bit better you know holes be created and uh, production from the Jets there yeah I, I think Brees Hall I definitely think uh, he's a guy that can possibly, you know, 
compete for the offensive rookie of the year, at least in the AFC. I think he's definitely that good. And you know, to be able to go over a thousand yards, uh, I know he'll share some carries with Michael Carter, who the Jets ended up taking last year. But I think Brees Hall is definitely going to eventually be the guy. I mean, he can do everything you want in the backfield. I think he would have been a first-round pick had teams valued the running back position this upcoming year. He can obviously stretch the field with his uh, with his speed, also catch the ball at the backfield. I mean, he's complete running back. It's just a matter of like you said, the offensive line creating holds for him and then him just being patient. I have no concern about him at all. Uh, it's just getting that offensive line all in the same place, especially now with Dwayne Brown starting camp a little bit late because of his signing. Antoine Staley here on the West Her Hotline. He's a Jets beat reporter and columnist for the New York Daily News. We're talking a little Jets. We'll talk Dolphins in just a second here, but I did want to you know, kind of get the overall vibe, and I, and I – Chatted with Connor Rogers earlier this week from Bleacher Report, and you know we didn't really dive into kind of like what's next for Makai Becton, um, but you know I think it was a really important season, and I think he knew it was an important season. He came into training camp with a renewed sense of urgency. You could tell he'd worked hard this offseason to drop and cut some weight, but not just cut weight, Antoine, gain some muscle. He looked like a different player, and obviously the unfortunate knee injury happens. He's going to miss the rest of the season. Like in your estimation, like what's next for him? I mean, really just trying to remain, you know, compete as an NFL player. I mean, obviously, as you said, it was a critical year because, you know, his third year in the league, he missed so much time last year. And also, this is the year before they decide have to make a decision on his fifth-year option. Now, obviously, now with him being out for the season, there's no chance the Jets are going to pick that up. So now if you're betting, what you have to do is say, you know what, I know the option's not going to be picked up. Let me just, you know, try to get as best shape as possible at once I'm recovered from this knee injury. And it's going with a new sense of like, hey, if it's not the Jets that I'm with, you know, after 2023, then you're competing and you're showing teams, other teams around the league, your film and what you can do so you can stay on the NFL roster. That has to be the mindset for him moving forward because I don't know what his future may hold for the Jets. And also with the Jets now, you'd have to know that you really can't rely on Kai Benson because of the injury the last couple of years, so you may have to take a flyer and well, some one of these young players coming out in NFL draft next year. Yeah, and so on. I, I, it's one of those things where you feel bad because he's a young player. He, he kind of understood the situation that he was in. This was a franchise, I'm sure. Right up until they brought that card up on stage to draft Sauce Gardner, you know, Iki Aquanu was there on the board, Evan Neal. Um, you know, I'm sure this is a franchise that looked long and hard about taking one of those guys and ultimately, you know, made the decision to go with with Gardner. But, you know, I, I think if you're if you're if you're Joe Douglas, are you looking back at that, maybe regretting um, not taking one of those top offensive linemen in the draft, knowing that, like, hey, best case scenario, Mekhi Becton is, you know, maybe a guy that you can move over to the right side. Like, whatever the, the situation may may have let out, if if had they drafted an Evan Neal or an Iki Aquanu, do you, do you get the sense that, like, this is a franchise that maybe wished they had gone a different route, a different decision early in that draft? I don't think so. I mean, we're talking about the Jets who had a lot of holes to fill uh, throughout the course of the offseason. And pass defense was definitely one of them. They've done a good job with that. I know they end up signing DJ Reed and, of course, Jordan Whitehead. And they get LaMarcus Joyner back. But they needed that corner to kind of solidify their uh, secondary and feel like Sauce Gardner is the guy to do that. Now, yeah, they definitely could have taken the tackle. That certainly would have helped the offense. And, you know, everybody's so offensive-centric uh, nowadays. But I definitely think they 
needed to uh, provide, you know, some help on that secondary considering how poor they were. And you have to remember, Robert Sala is a defensive guy by trade just because he's a former defensive coordinator. So he's going to want to do things. He's going to lean a little bit more to that side of the ball. And he felt embarrassed last year, you know, considering, you know, that's his background that, you know, the defense was so poor. So he, take, he takes a lot of pride in that, and they're trying to get that fit quick in that hurry this year. Antoine Staley here from the New York Daily News on the Western Hotline. We're talking Jets. And now we're going to talk a little Dolphins. And, you know, I made the mistake yesterday, Antoine, of saying something nice about the Dolphins and saying, you know, that I thought that this might be the year that Tua really is better uh, than Mac Jones. And, you know, Dolphins fans took it as an opportunity to to go way over the top. Big shock. Um, but in, on a serious note, you know, like watching – how, watching the struggles and hearing the struggles, and it's not just with our own eyes, Antoine, with the New England Patriots. It's their beat reporters, guys that have been around that organization for a long time talking about the very real struggles this franchise, this organization is having during training camp. Um, do you get the sense that like this is the year that the Dolphins are firmly overtaking the New England Patriots in the division? I think I, I think we started to see that last year a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they did yeah. beat them twice, but of course the Patriots still made the playoffs. So I think what's concerning about the Patriots is not even just Matt Jones; it's the offensive line and it's how poorly they're playing. And then we know Matt Jones is not necessarily the most mobile guy in the world. So if he if they're not getting a ton of protection, then he's going to be in big time trouble. And I think we kind of saw that last night against the Raiders team, who you know, quite frankly, the Raiders don't necessarily have the best defense in the world. So if they're confusing Matt Jones in that manner, then just imagine what some of the other teams mm-hmm. like the Bills and the Dolphins who have better defenses are work gonna or what they're gonna do and uh, once they play those teams. But yeah, I, I think you know, it's it's up to two. It's that's what it is. Like the Dolphins have a really good defense. They surround them, you know, with, you know, a countless amounts of talent. They've improved the offensive line, the running game. I, I think it's up to him to just be consistent. I mean, they don't need him to be, you know, a top five quarterback, uh, although Dolphin fans will tell you that he has the potential to do that. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> and I think they need him to be just above average. And then also to compete when pressure is on. Like, I feel like Tua has kind of let down the last couple of years. Last year, the Tennessee Titans game and the freezing rain, you know, he had one of his poor perform- one of his worst performances of his career. And then flipped the page the year before that against Buffalo, as you know, ended up throwing five interceptions when they had a chance to make the playoffs. So he has to be able to play better in those critical situations if the Dolphins are going to take that next step and reach the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Yeah, and, and obviously this week too, hearing about Mike Isecki, Antoine, and, and and kind of their their struggles to find a place for him in this offense. Um, has that maybe come to a surprise for you? I mean, this this is a guy that I think um, that you know this franchise obviously placed the franchise tender on him this year, um, wanted to keep him around, didn't want to lose him for nothing. Um, but I think everybody kind of knows that Gasecki is really kind of a big slot. He's not a traditional tight end, not a guy that can line up in line and 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 be a reliable blocker. I you know obviously part of this part of the answer to this is they went out and they signed Cedric Wilson, um, a guy that I think that they really want to lean on in the slot. Um, like, do you get the sense that maybe? They're going to have a tough time finding a way to get him on the field, knowing that they like Durham Smythe a lot as the traditional inline blocking tight end. Yeah, I, I, I never, that would have made sense to me why they would want. I mean, franchise tagging him, it did, but I thought they would do it in order to make a trade because he just doesn't fit the system. Like, I mean, we know that. Like, there's certain systems that 
certain tight ends fit, and we knew what uh, Gasecki was when he came out of college. I was still covering the Dolphins then, and it was questions about his blocking. But you accepted it. Like, you can line him up in the slot. He's not your traditional tight end. He's not Gronk. He's not George Kittle. So he's not. that's just not his strength. And, you know, you come over there. You, yeah, Mike McDaniel come over from San Francisco. He likes the more uh, inline tight end that's going to be able to block while also, you know, catch the ball out the backfield. And as you alluded to, they have already have weapons offensively. They don't necessarily need another one. They just need they need somebody that can, you know, provide some blocks while also, you know, catch, uh, making occasional catches. And that's just not Mike Gusecki's strip. It's matter. I mean, he might have got he's gotten better with blocking and things of that nature, but he's never going to be a George Kittle, and that's fine. But he just doesn't fit what they want to do. So I think, you know, you're at a crossroads. That do you want to continue to? You know, keep a guy where he's not a great fit, or do you want to move on from him? I, I just thought that they would franchise tag him in order just to, to trade him somewhere so they would get some type of value for him instead of just letting him walk. But, but they could get a compensation uh, pick for him if they would have let him walk. But, yeah, he just definitely doesn't fit what they want to do uh, with that offense. Antoine, expectations for the Bills this year. Kind of looking at the rest of the division, I, I, I you know, I, I think I would agree too about the Dolphins overtaking the Patriots in the division right now for second place. But I'm, I'm definitely not there yet on them, uh, maybe competing with the Bills for the division Ooh. race. Um, I do, I do think the Dolphins are. Are, are maybe due for a win against the Bills this year. Um, but I, I, I just kind of keep thinking of the historic matchup since Josh Allen's been drafted. And even in the losses early in Josh Allen's career, it was very obvious um, that Josh Allen played his best. And whether it was the matchup, whether it's the guys on that defensive side of the ball, but all of a sudden, you know, X Howard starts looking a little bit more pedestrian. Uh, their pass rush gets a little, like, you know, wide-eyed and like they're a deer in headlights. Josh Allen has had their number. I, I am wondering kind of what your overall thoughts are about where the Bills place in this division is and and maybe how close the gap is between them and the Dolphins. <laughs> until until proven otherwise, yeah, it's the Bills and everybody else. Like, I, I saw the only game that the Dolphins beat Josh Allen, I mean, in the Bills, and then if it wasn't for Charles Clay dropping the ball right. in the end. Yes. Like, they'd be perfect. he'd be perfect against the Dolphins. Like, that's it. And even in that game, like he put that team on his back and damn near almost um, had a comeback on on us on his hands. So yeah, they've struggled to be able to contain him outside the pocket, inside the pocket. To me, I think the Dolphins can make the playoffs. So we'll see if they can in a very difficult AFC. But the Bills are a Super Bowl contender. I think for me, I think they're going to make the Super Bowl. I think they're they are the team to beat in the AFC. I feel like the holes that they had or the questions that they had throughout the course uh, last year, they filled that. They got in another corner. They they also provided some you know, structure with the running game and get some depth there. I love the uh, James Cook pick there to take some pressure off of Josh Allen there so he doesn't feel like he has to do so much running the football. I, I think they are a complete team. And for me, like I, I, I think it would be a disappointment if they didn't they didn't reach uh, the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona. I think they're that good, and I just think it's their time. I think they've gone through some struggles and some heartbreaks the last couple of years losing to the Chiefs, but I think they will be able to overcome that this year and uh, persevere. And I think, like I said, I think they're the favorites to come out the AFC at least. First of all, Antoine, uh, I'm you know I got Fox on the TV here as the as the pregame, and it still just seems weird to me to watch 
Urban Meyer on television. Um, but the other thing that, and, and I got to get your take on this. I don't know if you've seen it. You're, you've been on with me, so I'm not sure if you've seen the, uh, it's going to end up being viral, but it's uh, Des Howard and he shows his playoff pre- bracket pr- prediction uh, by the end of the season, who will be in the college playoff bracket. Um, do you dare, dare to take a guess on, well, I, I think you might know if it's Desmond Howard, which team he for sure has in that Final Four. Michigan. Oh, yeah. Michigan. I, come on. Um, but the other three. Now, Texas A&M, I think that's a team that has a legit shot to be there. But they're going to have to go through Georgia and Alabama first, so I'm not totally convinced that that's going to be a, you know, going to be there. But Baylor and Pitt are the other two teams. Texas A&M, Pitt, Baylor, Michigan has Final Four. Is that the ultimate preseason college football bracket of four for the college football playoff? I mean, that, there's no way that's... That's rooted in any sort of reality, right? That, that might be the first Final Four I've ever seen. Yes. <laughs> like like the, one of the worst I've seen. Oh, my God. Like, really? Like, yeah, I, I did not see that at all. That, that might be the worst one I've ever seen. Michigan is probably the best team out of all of those. A&M, I'm not buying the hype. And then they got to go to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And, you know, all that trash Jimbo Fisher was talking about saving. Uh-huh. Like, he he's gonna remember that, like, and and they beat they beat Alabama last year too. So just keep that in mind. I, I think it's gonna be a bit of a thrashing there in Tuscaloosa when the Aggies come to town. So I'm I, I'm not buying that at all. I think you know for me, if I had to pick right now, it definitely be Bama. Uh, I like Clemson. Uh, I think Clemson's gonna rebound Ohio State, and then another wild card. I, I will throw this out there: uh, Utah. Utah. Is I think, you know, could reach the college football playoff if, you know, if things go right there. I feel like they can go undefeated and, you know, win the Pac-12. But, yeah, they, they would be my wild card. But, yeah, I, I think Pitt, no, nah, I can't. Say. I thought he was going to say my he was going to say Miami because he lives in South Florida, which I was going to say that, that was ridiculous, too. Yeah, but they got a lot of NIL money there, bro. Like, you know, we'll, we'll maybe not this year, but it's kind of a if not now, when for Miami. I know I'm surprised, Antoine, because I thought you might say Tyler Buckner and Notre Dame would be in your top four, but it's okay. You know, I'll give you time to warm up to my to my Irish after they beat Ohio State Week One. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that that pass for this week. I like Marcus for I think he's going to do a fabulous job there. He's already uh, recruiting at a I think even a higher level than Brian Kelly did. Not that Brian Kelly did a bad job, but I think he's going to bring in different type of recruits and I, I think Notre Dame is going to, you know, cross that threshold and, you know, possibly contend for a national championship. Like like I mean they've been doing that under Kelly, but it's just a matter of winning a playoff game, but I think Freeman is the right guy for the job and they made a great hire with him. Antoine, I appreciate you, man. Enjoy the college football slate today. Uh, let's do it again soon, and uh, enjoy the season, man. We'll uh, we'll definitely talk again soon. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, Antoine Staley there, the New York Daily News. He covers the New York Jets uh, and is a great guy. So if you don't follow him on Twitter, make sure you do that. All right, we're going to take a timeout on the other side. I've got Mark Schofield, my man, the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Schofield. We're going to talk some Patriots. Antoine agrees that the Miami Dolphins have overtaken the Patriots. And then yesterday, Mac Jones threw an interception into quadruple coverage. So we'll talk to to Mark Schofield. Is this all over? Are we all overreacting? Is it just, is the are the Patriots just going to find a way, the Patriot way? Mark Schofield will, uh, will give us insight. That's coming up next here on WGR. Okay, we are officially halfway through Sports Talk Saturday, and uh, my next guest is kind of the perfect guy to bring in to help everyone better understand 
and maybe maybe we even say slow our roll a bit on uh, the concerns and the general. Do we call it? Do we call it hate? I don't want to say hate. The the general jumping and stomping on the grave of the New England Patriots. I think that's kind of what everyone is doing. And listen, mighty holds the right. What is it? The the mighty is the weight that holds the crown or whatever the head or there's a saying, Mark, you, you're, you're, you're a former practicing lawyer. What What's that saying? You, you know, law. Heavy is the head that weighs. Yes. Yes. See, I, that, yes. That's, that's the phrase. And listen, if you want to say hate, I understand. I mean, I, I understand where that sentiment might be coming from, from the Buffalo area over the past couple of years. I more than appreciate what those fans are feeling right now. They're feeling, they're feeling a sense of pride because they're looking around the NFL landscape. Not only do they see that on almost sort of any, you know, odds board, the Bills are your odds on favorite as uh, Super Bowl favorites. They're also looking at what's happened in New England. And yeah. there's another word, Schadenfreude, right? Which is uh, sort of taking <laughs> pleasure in the pain of others. I think there's a bit of that going on too. I think that's right. And and I think, you know, this is a unique season, Mark, with the expectations here in Buffalo. Um, knowing that there are teams below them sort of, you know, nipping at their heels, and I think maybe most notably the Dolphins, but I think part of one of the I think part of the toughest thing to do is fully bury the New England Patriots, right? To to say they're dead is one thing, but to believe it and really like bury it and move on from it, I think is a very it's it's a very it's another thing entirely. This preseason, you know, kind of walk me through from the time that Josh McDaniels leaves to where they are now. Where has been the notable improvement to you? And and is there and has there been? And if there's not is that kind of the thing that maybe everyone is is maybe if they don't want to admit they're worried about it, but it's sitting in. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The back of their mind wondering, like, when will we see that step from Mac Jones? And is it going to happen this year? Right, and, and there's a lot sort of going on right now, Nate. I, I think, has there been improvement? If there has, I don't think we've seen it. Let's, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. Uh, Bill Belichick, after last night's game against the Raiders, came out today and talked about struggles and inconsistency, and whether it was David Andrews or Jones himself. Uh, players were certainly frustrated after last night's performance against the Raiders. Have there been moments? Have there been flashes from what we've been able to see whether it's in practices, joint practices, or games, yeah, there's been a couple of nice throws here and there. There have been some nice runs here and there. But I think there's multiple layers of inconsistency with the Patriots' offense right now. There's 
inconsistencies with protected Mac Jones. We saw it last week against the Panthers. We saw it again last night against the Raiders. There's inconsistency with getting separation downfield. So when Jones has time, you know, he's, he's not able to put the ball anywhere because guys aren't separated on a consistent basis. There's inconsistencies from Jones who, you know, Nate, I, I wrote this today. I've thrown many an interception into double coverage, triple yeah. coverage, even quadruple yep. coverage. Yep. Sex couple coverage, like we saw last night with Jones forcing a dig route in the midst of, you know, six defenders, it's not a great look. And so there's that inconsistency right now. Now, are there silver linings for Patriots fans? Of course. It's early. It's preseason. You've still got Bill Belichick. We saw, again, those flashes from the passing game and the run game. Throughout training cramp, even last night in a game where – Everybody seemed frustrated. But then there's this, and I think this gets to sort of where Patriots fans are right now. In years past, five years ago or so, the idea that Belichick could take September, the first four games or so, as he has done so many seasons before, and sort of use that to figure it out, it was fine. Look around the AFC landscape this year. Mm. Look around the East this year. You can't afford to take September when you face – you know, Miami, who you just mentioned, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Green Bay, those are your first four games. If you take those four games to figure out what you do well offensively, you might be two and two. You might be one and three. And then when you look around what the rest of the AFC East and the rest of the AFC might look like at that point, it might be too late. And I think that's what's really happening here. It's this idea that the, the way they were able to sort of figure things out in September and into October and years past, it might not be – feasible this year to take that time given how deep the AFC is yeah and you know the thing I think about too with this team Mark is you're you're right about it especially in years past even with Tom Brady using the month of September to find their identity but the thing that I think people always want to keep in mind about the New England Patriots is when game plans start to become important which is week one it's not the preseason it's not training camp it's not joint practices that's really where their advantage starts to show, right? When when Bill Belichick can game plan for your young quarterback, when Bill Belichick, who I do think is going to have a big, big part in their week-to-week preparation and game plans offensively, and he may not be the guy in the headset calling the plays into Max Hatt's headset or uh, you know in, into his ear, but I do think he's going to have a large, large say and a large part of what those weekly game plans are and how they're game planning for defenses. Like, I do want to maybe keep... And maybe that's why most people aren't really willing to just say, okay, this team's coming in last in the AFC East and not only have the Dolphins passed them, but the Jets have passed them. I think a lot of people are going to probably sit in the in the camp of, and I know this is kind of where I'm sitting, which is... He, they still have Bill Belichick, and we know the one thing he does better than anyone else and why he's a Hall of Famer is because of his week-to-week game planning and his ability to change fundamentally and schematically based on the opponent they play that week. Right. I, I think those are all very good points, Nate. And let's not forget, during the Brady run, you know, we heard this from Dean Pease. He was talking with Chris Vassour, Coach Vass on Twitter, and his fantastic podcast about his time in New England. And he said, look, you know, Bill Belichick is known as this defensive genius, and he puts together these defensive game plans that might make their way to the Hall of Fame or are even in the Hall of Fame. But he would spend every practice in Tom Brady's ear, saying, this is what you're going to see from the defense this week. This is what you're going to have to do against this coverage. This is what you're going to have to check to against this front. If he's doing that for Tom Brady, absolutely he's doing that for Matt Jones. And you mentioned the idea that, you know, he might not be the guy calling the plays. He might be the guy calling the plays. 
because he came <laughs> out this week and said, ultimately, look, it all, the buck stops with me. I am responsible for everything. And there's been all this palace intrigue about whether it's Patricia, whether it's Judge, who's calling the plays. Belichick's going to be on the headset. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point he's, if he's not saying, look, look, you know, zap to X right, you know, 38 flag or something like that. He's at least saying, look, hit them with the corner out we talked about. Right, that. right. So he's going to have that input in the game plan. You know, he's been doing it for years, even when they had Tom Brady. And so absolutely Belichick's going to have a voice in the offense. What that offense looks like, I think, is the bigger question. Because we've heard so much, and you've heard so much about outside zone, wide zone, boot action, schematic influences from McVeigh and Shanahan. The returns on that are not positive. You know, whether it's preseason games, whether it's practices, I've had beat writers tell me it's uglier at practice than people you can even imagine. Do they stick with that, or do they do what we've seen from them in years past? And even some of their best plays in preseason, it's been spread them out, let Jones sort of grip it and rip it like he was doing at Alabama, get the ball out of his hands in 2.5 seconds or less like they did with Brady. Are they going to keep down this new schematic emphasis road, or are they just going to say, look, it's not working. We're stunting max development if we keep doing this. Hmm. Let's go to what he does best. Mark, I, I mean, speaking of Mac and speaking of Shanahan, right, like there was a lot of smoke. There was a lot of, frankly, there was some fire with the Mac Jones to the 49ers, and they obviously go, they end up going with Trey Lance. Everyone knows that how that story ended. Um, but, you know, he ultimately did confirm in a podcast that it was down to Lance and Mac Jones. So to think that Mac Jones could function well in that boot style, in that Shanahan kind of offense, you know, it's not far-fetched. But I'm wondering with, like, is moving around Mac Jones, having him throw on the run and extend plays, is that – is that really where you want to be with Mac Jones? Because I know last year the the thing that I think stood out to me more than anything about Jones um, in his rookie season was was really his ability inside the pocket to stay on to stay in phase and on schedule. Um, and we know that the elite of the elite quarterbacks they can do both, right? Like the Josh Allen's and the Mahomes, and the Herberts. Those are guys that can play on schedule, but. It's really their more their most dangerous when it becomes off script, off schedule, and that's just not really where Mac Jones is living. But do do you believe that boot action, that boot game, could be a place where where Jones maybe opens things up in his game? I mean, I could he run that kind of system? Could he be effective in that kind of system? I think he can. I think the bigger question is, if you're constructing the ideal offensive system for Mac Jones, is that your top choice? And I would say, no, it's not. Like, if I'm putting together an offensive system for Mac Jones, it's going to be very similar to what you saw from him at Alabama. And even at times last year, you're going to spread the offense out a bit. You're going to let him make decisions pre-snap because he's very good pre-snap at identifying mismatches and identifying holes in coverage. You're going to let him get the ball out quickly. You're going to incorporate more RPOs like we saw from Mm -hmm. Alabama. And what's interesting about Mac Jones during his time at Alabama is when they went RPO, obviously, yeah, there's quick throws in there. But a lot of times when they went RPO or even more importantly play action, he was attacking downfield. And what did we hear last year about this Patriots offense? Inconsistency pushing the ball downfield. I think that's a way to give him those shot plays. And so, yeah, can he throw on the move? Yes. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. He's not that level of athlete. He's on the sort of Joe Burrow end of the spectrum when you talk about athletic mm. quarterbacks. He can do it. He can move and he can throw well on the move. 
but it's not the ideal system for him. I think the deeper question might be, do you put in place an offense for the one guy or for the 10? Because this idea that they might move to wide zone, outside zone, condensed formations, boot action off of it, it might be the best system for the other 10 guys because you're seeing struggles to get separation from the receivers. Well, what do you do? You condense formations, bunches, rubs, traffic, and things like that. You can generate separation that way. Outside zone, wide zone, provided everybody sort of figures it out, that might fit your five guys up front. What's more important, though, doing it for the one guy, the quarterback, or doing it for the other 10? Now, maybe they think, look, if we put everybody else, the other 10 guys, in the best system possible, Jones is going to be better as a result of that. Maybe that's the bet here, but in terms of purely looking at Matt Jones, can he run this offense, that style of offense, that Shanahan system? Yeah. Is it perhaps his ideal environment? I don't think so. We're going to talk some pass catchers here in just a minute with Mark Schofield of the Touchdown Wire. He joins us on the Western Hotline. Before I do that, I want to talk about this running back room. Um, and, you know, it sounds a lot like Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a larger part of this running game. Uh, we know that, that Harris is kind of entering the last year of his contract and, and that that's probably very likely he's elsewhere um, next year. But this is also a team that in the fourth round this year drafted Pierre Strong and in the sixth round drafted Kevin Harris. So having guys they've already spent draft capital on and drafting two more. And, and you know, just, just to kind of put this in perspective, um, you know, the Bills have been able to draft Gabriel Davis in the fourth round. They drafted um, Khalil Shakir in the fifth round. Um, and knowing the struggles that the Patriots have had at pass catcher, particularly at wide receiver and finding guys that separate, you know, it was kind of a head scratcher to me to see this franchise again go to the well and, and take Pierre Strong and then follow it up two rounds later by taking Kevin Harris. What do you believe this room ends up looking like as the season moves on? And, um, you know, is this still a two headed horse uh, or, you know, two two headed backfield? Or, or do you believe that Pierre Strong eventually also maybe uh, has an opportunity to become like the pass catching back in this group? Yeah, I mean, I think Strawn is probably going to be your J.J. White replacement, right? Your sort of third down, you know, up-tempo pass-catching type of back out of the backfield. And then at the top, you're going to have that sort of two-headed game with Harris, with Stevenson, because, you know, injuries happen. And I think they, they like the fact that both Harris and Stevenson can give them the full complement of what they want to do offensively, inside, outside, wide zone, tight zone, all of the stuff that they do, gap power they can run those designs. And so I think they like their running back room, but we all know over the years trying to predict what the Patriots do with their running backs is one of the toughest things to do in covering their sport because, as you alluded to earlier, Nate, they change so much stuff up from week to week. One week it might be, this is our Stevenson week. We kind of like the way his vision, his footwork fits with what we're going to do this week. Another week it might be a you know, a, a Pierre Strong week. I mean, we've seen in the years past, sometimes it's a J.J. White or a James White, excuse me, or a Rex Burkhead. They change things up so much. And so, you know, I think that's what they, they'd like their running back room. They like the tight ends. Wide receiver has always been a question mark. You know, they can evaluate inside slot receiver extremely well. Outside boundary receiver has been a position that they've struggled at. It looked like Tyquan Thornton, despite – you know, drafted him before George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore. That gave a lot of Patriots fans some heartburn. It seemed like, well, you know, early returns were he's a guy that can get separation on one-on-ones. He can beat man coverage. Now he's on the shelf with a collarbone injury. And so, you know, they like the tight ends. They like the running back room. It's just the receiver component to it still seems lacking. Yeah, and, you know, obviously they go out, they they trade for Devontae Parker, 
But the thing you, you think about with Devontae Parker is where he struggled, and that's creating separation. And I think that's kind of the the issue right now with this Pats group. And it, when you combined you know, having struggles on the offensive line, Mark, with the fact that you have receivers that struggle to separate the line of scrimmage, it sounds to me like, like – you know, maybe this is dramatic, but a recipe for disaster. Um, because when you have a timing and rhythm thrower and a guy that wants to win from the pocket and you don't have a clean pocket all the time and you also don't have guys that are immediately separating and creating a, a no-brainer read for a quarterback, that just it, it makes it hard for a guy who's entering his second season who doesn't have the experience maybe that a Tom Brady would in that same situation where you have guys and you have those reps with guys that you trust and you know, okay, well, I'm just going to hit this guy in the back shoulder because I know and I know that he knows that when I have pressure in my face, he's going to stem off and he's going he's gonna to move to the sideline and make himself available on a back shoulder throw. He doesn't really have those reps with this group. and I'm, like, It just feels like that could be one of the recipes for failure this year. Nate, I know you're going to identify with what I'm about to talk about here because after last night's game, Jones said, you know, when he was talked about when he was talking about the struggles and asked about the inconsistencies on offense, he didn't bring up the interception. He talked about, I need to do a better job at staying in the pocket and climbing the pocket, and yeah. not just running around back there. Now, why is he doing that right now? It's because of these inconsistencies. Like it, it's a problem that it has layers to it because. When you as a quarterback, and you know this, you've been there, I've been there, when you're not getting protected, that clock speeds up in your head. Absolutely. You hit your drop depth and you feel like, i got to move because I'm going to get smacked in the mouth yet again, and I don't like it. It's not fun. We saw that last night with Jones. There were times when he could have clicked and climbed in the pocket, but instead Jones, a guy that, like, as you said, likes to win from the pocket, starts trying to exit out the back door. That's not his game, but he started to do that because of the inconsistencies up front. And sometimes you do that because you hit your drop depth, you start to climb and nobody's open, and you think, I've got to create now. Even Mac Jones is feeling that. So when you get these two layers of inconsistency up front and with the receivers, it has an impact on how you're playing the position. And so it's this multi-layered problem. Now with Parker... You know, there was a, a touchdown called back on a back shoulder throw. We were going to get flagged for offensive pass interference last night. I, I think there's a positive sign there that perhaps Jones and Parker are getting on that same page. But his, that's his game. You know, it's not separation. It's not quick separation. You're going to need time to get those plays to develop. Even a quick back to shoulder throw, you sometimes need some time to get that pass off. And so – the layers to this are what's most concerning, and we're yeah. you know we're seeing the basic stuff right now. But when there's inconsistency in the basic stuff, when you start trying to open up a playbook to game plan for Miami in Week One, what's that going to look like? Mark, are you uh, are you part of the the Janu Smith uh, uh, redemption tour? Are you driving the bus? Are you in the are you in the back? Are you just watching from the parade from the side? Like what's What's his role look like on this team this year? I, I think it's really important they find something for him. I mean, he is making $12 million. Yeah, I mean, they got to find a role for him. I, I, I think there's a couple of different ways they can involve him. We've seen some Y-ISO stuff this season already with him, you know, put on loan to one side of the field. You know, there was a, you know, a sack against Carolina where they ran a sort of vertical concept with him wide open against cover two. Joe just didn't have the time to, to find him. I think also it's important to remember for an organization that, you know, yes, if they continue down this road of outside zone, wide zone, you might not need a fullback, but they moved on from their fullback, Jakob Johnson, 
No, but if there could be a role for John O. Smith as an age bag type of player if they decide, look, you know, we've got to incorporate more, you know, bigger body, bigger personnel packages, that could be a way to get him on the field. But yeah, they have to find a use for him. I mean, one of the, the good things about him that people liked about him was he's that potential mismatch. And if you're struggling to get separation, that's a way to generate it, get him some mismatches. So I think they have to find a way to get him involved this year. Otherwise, you know, that's a missed opportunity and, a, you know, a potentially a, a mistaken free agency. Mark, I got one more for you, and it's only because you and I basically exclusively talked about the offense during this interview. Right. So I think I, I, I just like, you know, I'm due to ask one defensive question here. Where Where is the secondary? Um, obviously, Malcolm Butler gets his injury settlement, but I'm I'm not naive. Like I, that, That's not a guy they were like planning to be their number one corner this year. They drafted a couple of corners this year. What does this secondary look like outside of the safety position, which I think is, you know, in a pretty darn good place for them uh, internally, but it's it's the corner it's the corner position, it's that room. Is this a team that's going to be able to overcome overcome the loss of JC Jackson? You know, that's a tough question. I mean, coming into training camp, secondary specifically corner cuz like you said, Safeties are good, not obviously not the best group in the AFC East. We know Hyde and Poyer are perhaps the best in all of football. But you look at this quarterback group, and I think there were some questions that needed to be answered. I think they've actually answered those relatively well. There's a lot of excitement about Jalen Mills. Everybody I've talked to up in Foxborough said, look, yeah, he's our CB1 now. Like, he's stepped into that role. Maybe he's not the player that J.C. Jackson is, but because of the other pieces around him, we think he's going to have a solid year. There's excitement about Jonathan Jones because it looks like they're going to use him more on the outside. In years past, he was sort of their slot guy. He was sort of the guy that, you know, when they played Kansas City, that's the guy that they put on Tyree Kill. I yeah. mean, it wasn't Gilmore. It wasn't J.C. Jackson. It was Jonathan Jones because he handles those twick, quick twitch type of guys. They're going to move him outside because they like what they're seeing from Brian. And they like what they're seeing from these two rookies that they drafted. You know, you've got Jack Jones where they added. You've got Marcus Jones in the third round out of Houston. Jones, obviously, coming out of Arizona State. Those guys have stepped up. They played well during preseason. And so they're going to give them some depth. So I think the cornerback room is kind of, you know, for all the negativity about the offense right now, which is all well-deserved and understandably people are anxious about it, the secondary, the quarterback room, that's sort of come together. There's an expectation that the defense will be good and will be solid enough early, perhaps to navigate some of the early season troubles on the offensive side of the ball. But this is an offensive league. This is a passing league. You have to put points on the board. The days of winning 17-14 rock fights, they're behind us, Nate. This is the 1980s. And so if they can't get consistency from their offense, it's going to be a long year. Mark, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, what do you got coming up? Any 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 cool pieces, podcasts, projects? Uh, usually you're good for a couple of those uh, a season. Yeah, well, I mean, if the Bills fans want to continue down this fun road of, you know, hating, you know, taking pleasure <laughs> in others' pain, like I put up a multi-layered piece on this Patriots offense over at USA Today's Touch on Wireless Ward, and you could see some of the struggles. You could see some of the, the areas where we've talked about this inconsistency, so you can check that out, but... You know me, buddy. I'm always covering the league. And, heck, we got Nebraska-Northwestern on. Yeah, right? I know. I'm watching football. It's amazing. You look good. It's fantastic. 
I know. I, I, I was saying this to Antoine Staley, who I just had on uh, right before you. Um, I bet on this game, and I took the uh, I took the under, and I took Nebraska minus twelve and a half. So I I am full on ready for Scott Frost to cost me money in August. Like I'm that's that's what I'm looking forward to. That that man owes me a, a massive appliance. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, like, and and I'm not talking something off the used market. I, I'm talking brand oh, new. No, 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 no. I'm talking like a nice top of the line dishwasher. Or something yes, like that. exactly. Something to make our lives easier. Mark, um, the last yeah. thing I have for you here, though, is you know we have, we're we're men of similar tastes. Well, any good shows you're watching right now? I'm I'm in the market. I'm about to finish Stranger Things, and I need something to watch. I. Are you a fan of period pieces that have a historical yes. stance to them? Yes. Have you watched Poldark? No. Okay, so Poldark originally was a BBC show that it came to the States on PBS. It's, it's a masterpiece theater kind of piece. Mm. I'm already into season three. I absolutely love it. The premise is this. You know, an, an English you know gentleman goes to Virginia to fight for the English in the Revolution he barely survives a, a brutal injury to his face. And he comes home. His father is dead and left him nothing. The woman that he thought he was going to marry is now going to marry his cousin. And he has to piece his life together coming home from the Revolutionary War. I'm into season three. I absolutely love it. I'm the kind of person that I pick up a new show. I dive right in. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. Now I'm reading the books. I'm listening to the soundtrack. So Poldark. You can see it on Amazon Prime. Check that one out. I will, and let me tell you, there is nothing quite like Revolutionary War-themed shows and video games for me. Um, so this this is going immediately to the top of the list. See, that's why I'm glad I asked you, because I knew I was going to get something good that I, was, I wasn't going to get something generic like, hey, go watch Succession or something. I knew I was going to get something, right. you know, something niche, and uh, that's what I always appreciate you about, my friend. That's what I'm here for, buddy. All right, my friend. Enjoy your uh, your fo- your first football weekend of the year, and you know I can only imagine how many more times you'll be on the station. We got to start putting you on retainer. Already looking forward to it, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Mark Schofield there on our West Her Hotline, helping me talk Patriots. We're going to take a time out on the other side. We're going to hear from Joe Ostrowski next hour. Uh, we're going to take some phone calls. If you, I know we got Lou who's been hanging out on hold, and I appreciate him for doing that. Uh, on the other side, we'll we'll grab his phone call and anyone else's phone call. If you guys want to, you know, restart the conversation about Matt Ariza, I'm happy to do that. Whatever you guys want to do, I'm good with here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. The Buffalo Bills finished their preseason with a record of 2-1 and one after falling to the Carolina Panthers last night, 21 to nothing. Punter Matt Ariza did not play last night after a civil lawsuit was filed against both Ariza and two other San Diego State players. This suit alleges that the three raped a 17-year-old girl at an off-campus party last year. Here is head coach Sean McDermott after the game on the Ariza situation. It's not a situation that, that I or we take lightly whatsoever, and it's very serious. I understand the sensitivity of the situation. It's clear we have work to do to continue to figure this thing out here. The Bills will be back on the practice field later today, and head coach Sean McDermott is expected to speak with the media before practice today. Around the rest of the NFL, the Cowboys take down the Seattle Seahawks 27-26, to and after the game, Seattle named Geno Smith the team's starting quarterback for Week 1. The Saints went over the Chargers 27-10, and the Raiders dominate the Patriots 23-6. to Tonight, eight games in the NFL, three of which are on the NFL Network. Jaguars at Falcons kick it off at 3.30, Rams at Bengals at 6, and Vikings at Broncos at 9. 
College football also officially begins this afternoon. Some of the major games today sees Nebraska and Northwestern at 12.30 in Dublin, Ireland, Wyoming and Illinois at 4, and Hawaii taking on Vanderbilt at 10.30. And in baseball tonight, the Mets take on the Rockies and the Yankees square up against the A's. That's your Paddock Chevrolet Sports Update. Paddock Chevrolet with you for the extra mile. I'm Zach Jones for WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, it's our trace underway here on WGR and Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary here. Zach Jones behind the board doing something. What it is, I don't know, but he's doing something back there. He's here in presence, in spirit. I think That's like, about it. We're about three-quarters of the way through You know, nice 20-ounce energy drink. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I, I forgot hit. that we were here pretty late last night. Yeah, oh, I didn't forget. You didn't. You were here much earlier than me, though. I yeah. I got up at like four or no five forty-five this morning or whatever. And then what? So you because Tita Green's at seven. Yep, Tita Green's at seven. I usually I'm I'm the kind of person that I'll get up like a half hour before I really need to. You got to do the morning check of the phone. Yeah, of course. See if you know you missed any news. And I you know remembered. It's been like three four hours since you went to bed, Zach. You didn't miss anything. You didn't. You missed literally nothing. Yeah. You, there's there was no time for you to miss anything. No. No. Yeah, love the rest of the world buddy. was asleep. Love that for you, buddy. All right. Let's uh, go to the phones uh, because uh, Lou from Rochester has been waiting very patiently, and I want to make sure I get to him. Lou, thanks for uh, being so patient for me as I got through my guests this afternoon, my friend. What do you got from you on Sports Talk Saturday? Hi, Nate. Uh, well, it's a difficult situation when it arises. Uh, the, the allegations are pretty. Uh, reprehensible, really. If if those acts occurred, I think his two teammates are in deep trouble um, because uh, the consent age is eighteen, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure she was seventeen. But it seems clear, based on an interview with uh, Matt Bove, his attorney suggested that um, eyewitness accounts or um, <clears throat> Investigators' reports suggest that uh, Azura was never in the house, including um, from one of uh, her friends who was also there. So that that means, but but yet she tries to snowball him into that room, which creates a, a credibility issue with her. Then she tries to suggest that. The initial encounter occurred outside, perhaps with him. She's less than unequivocal about it because she describes the the individual as a white a white guy with brown hair. I mean, by now she knows who he is. Um, also, it's to me it lacks common sense that. An occurrence like that would occur outside in plain view for everyone to see. But you got to understand, Lou. Here, here, here's the thing that I think you got to understand is, you know, less about the details of the civil suit and more about the fact that the next day, this young woman uh, went to police, and those police uh, did a rape kit test, and. If they have the DNA, it doesn't matter what your opinion on is of where this occurred or uh, what time of day and how many people were outside. And yeah, you know, there there are that is the story from the attorney of Matariza that I do believe um, 
is what the Bills were under the impression of, is that they have eyewitnesses that place Matt Ariza nowhere near inside of that home. And I think that's the understanding this team, this organization, was functioning under. Um, and when the details became available, they realized that this was far worse than they were probably led to believe early on. And regardless of the common sense behind it, regardless of her ability in that moment under the influence um, to fully be able to identify, may go totally out the window if his DNA is picked up in that rape kit. So, again, I'm going to make less judgments on the civil matter in this, and I'm going to tell you that there is still an ongoing criminal matter in this. And that's going to be the thing to me that I think we find out very quickly. Now, there's a lot of questions around why the criminal proceedings have taken as long as they have. If you know anything about sexual assault, rape, um, just in terms of the numbers, by the numbers, right? 2% of sexual assaults and rapes are convicted. 2% of the ones of complaints filed end in a conviction. 27% of rape and sexual assaults that are filed in a criminal court of law even make it to trial. So what we know about this historically about our country is that rape and sexual assault is often not taken very seriously. And it starts with, you know, law enforcement. Um, there is a culture of not taking this stuff seriously. And I also want to note that it's not the easiest thing to prove. Um, so there, there's a lot that goes against these women that come out. That's why when you hear people say to believe women, they mean because of the odds against them to come out and to the next day, file a police report and to file a civil suit takes a level of brave and a level of courage that most of us will never know, knowing that you'll likely not get the result you want, but to still do it anyways, to go up against a professional athlete, there's a level of courage that it takes for women to come out with their stories that I think it's very important for us to at least listen and believe them. And we'll find out, I think, because now this police department is going to become pretty into focus now. Um, this story is not going anywhere. The length of time in which this criminal investigation is taken, it's taken a very long time. That's going to come into focus here. Um, but I think all this is moot because I'm not sure that the punter is going to be here on the roster for very much longer where this is going to be a situation where we're continually talking about. And, and if I'm being honest, um, but yeah, thanks for the call. Lou. Let's go to Nick. Uh, Nick, you are on sports talk Saturday. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Nate. Nice to talk with you. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was wondering, um, I don't think O.J. Howard has proved enough, and I like his Quinton Morris, and young guy, uh, uh, if it came down to those two, what do you think they might uh, decide on that? Also, do you know anything about um, the update? I know Cam Lewis got hurt yesterday. And one third thing, I just say, I'm all talked about Matt Ariza. Mm-hmm. He, oh, he, he, he had sex with an intoxicated uh, underage girl pretty much admitting it. He needs to go, regardless of the gang rape, and say, hey, too bad we don't play New England Patriots every every week. We didn't, wouldn't have to punt. But anyway, I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks. Yeah, thanks thanks for the call, Nick. And yeah, no no updates on Cam Lewis yet. Um, I did find it interesting that O.J. Howard was playing on the last drive offensively um, in the fourth quarter. So 
I would tend to agree with you. I've I've really liked what Quentin Morris has brought to the table um, this preseason. I think he's got an athletic profile um, that that lends well to playing a part in this offense. The question I have is, can he play special teams? And and I that's not something I really looked too in depthly about. Um, I I am interested in what it looks like though. I I, I think Quentin Morris. Um, could be a sneaky guy to make this roster. So we'll we'll see how that ends up playing out. And yeah, I mean, to, to your point about Ariza, part of this seems weird to me in that there does appear to be recorded evidence of him admitting to having sex with a minor. So yeah, I, I, I believe that for that alone, um, it's a non-starter for me. So... I don't know. It's 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 such a it's such a difficult conversation, um, I, you know. And listen, part of this is for me. My job is to talk as much as I can about facts, and I don't know that I have enough on either side to have a, an opinion on the Bills and their role and Matt Arise's role. It's so difficult because I I don't have inside information. I don't have enough facts to talk about it with enough knowledge. That, listen, I mean, all of us are kind of working off the same facts, you know. So. Whether you have a take on it or, you know, whether you believe one thing or another, it's very hard to speak about it with intelligence, to speak about it with empathy. Well, it's not hard to speak about it with empathy. You should just have empathy. But we all are working off the same information. So, you know, until until more information is given, until we know and better understand what the Bills knew when they knew it, um, it's hard for me to have opinions on who dropped the ball and when. And I, I know I want that information. I know all of us want that information. And frankly, we deserve that information. Um, but I'm going to tell you where I stand on this is I believe her. Um, and I think you should, too. And I think it's beyond time that we do less poking holes in theories and more believing the courage it takes for these women to come forward and with their stories of horror um, and, and to recognize also, and, and, and this is just a, a piece of advice for folks who are on Twitter and who, you know, listen, I, I'm not here to preach and get on a soapbox, but what I will tell you is the things you say about this stuff, you know, your wife, your girlfriend, your daughters, your cousins, uh, your colleagues, um, they're all watching. So when you minimize the experiences of one woman, um, you may inadvertently be minimizing the experiences that others have had that you know personally that you don't know the story of. And I think that's why it's so important that when you're out there and you're throwing around these innocent until proven guilties and you know trying to, to diminish or or reduce this woman's experience, there are women out there that have experienced real trauma. And by minimizing one person or one woman's experience, you tend to lump in and minimize all of them together. And I think it's really important that as men, we do a better job of, of I think this is maybe a simpler way of putting it, but reading the room. Read the room, right? If you've got to take, maybe hold it back. Maybe stop yourself because maybe a year from now, five years from now, your daughter or your stepdaughter or your students, if you're a teacher, right? Like there are just so many things that you want to be cognizant of and you want to know that there are eyes on you and it's important to just do everything you can to accommodate women who have been through trauma because it's not 
your place to tell them how they should feel about their trauma and their past trauma. And I've heard stories and we've had women that have been brave enough to come forward with their, um, you know, memories and their uh, past trauma and to minimize them, I think is, is wrong. It's gross. And I just, again, I'm not going to be on a soapbox here, but I think it's important to keep in mind that there are people and women in your life that have dealt with things that you don't know about. And by being insensitive and by not acknowledging them, you're doing way more harm than you can do any good. All right. Uh, we are going to hear from uh, BetQL's Joe Ostrowski. He was on the afternoon show on Thursday. Um, and we'll uh, we'll hear that. So that's coming up next. On, we're going to take a time out. Right? Is that, is that, does that sound right? We'll take a time out now, and then we'll hear from Joe Ostrowski on their side. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, our final two segments of the day. We're going to end on BetQL's Joe Ostrowski, who is on with Mike Schoep and the Bulldog on Thursday. Guess who's on the line? Why, yes, the host of BetQL, da- BetQL Daily and Odyssey Sports betting insider Joe Ostrowski. Insider calls presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. I read that like I've never seen it. (laughs) Uh, Rest versus rust. Rest versus rust. I guess it's rust, Joe. Gotta get some reps. Just don't pull a hamstring. Hey, this is the time. This is the time. It really starts in two weeks, right? It's spring training for the umpires, too. Um, Yes. Hi, Joe. Hey, guys. Joe, so, um, boy, a few things here. Let's get this. DeGrom line out of the way because sure. I imagine we'll talk mostly NFL. Uh, minus 460 I've seen on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom starting for the Mets against the Rockies. Yes. So that's like a record number almost, isn't it? Uh, just about. Well, so around this time, I would say in the last few years, maybe once or twice a week you would get to the 400 number. Now we're getting to four fifth. It's just ridiculous. Um, and it with some of these favorites, it feels like the only way to bet baseball this time of year is taking some of these heavy favorites against teams that don't care. They're 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 playing. Uh, got players out there that you've never even heard of. Even if you're watching the team on a daily basis, like who is this guy? I've never even heard of them uh, coming up. So there's a lack of motivation certainly on some sides, and then. It's tough to bet because you are seeing once in a while those like plus two hundreds get home. I'm just uh, I'm very mad at the Mets right now because they're zero two on the week and they're my survivor pick this week. Oh, so they, I need them to win fifty percent of their games and we're not off to a great start. So I need them to take three of four against Colorado. So hopefully Degrom can get it done tonight. They are pushing him a little bit more each start. So that would be a, a way to bet it if you want to go with the K prop. But yeah. You, I would certainly advise a baseball lock. There's no such thing. Yep. So you're not, you don't want to lay over $4 to win a dollar in any scenario. I fell out of that tournament. How far in like are we? I know, I mean, by the calendar, I can read the calendar, but how many are left? And Yeah, just, well, a lot of people won't lose. Uh, 301 <laughs> are out, 68 alive. Okay. Yeah, you want it to yeah. be less than that when you're yeah. almost to September. Yeah, okay. uh, we're at the point where the most popular play this week is Texas. Like, people are running out of teams. <laughs> Texas Rangers is the chalk this week. Yeah, so you don't want to lose on the Mets. Yeah. You're yeah. using oh, the Mets. I'll be really mad. 
Right. Really mad. Yeah, that would be a bad beat, I think. Before we get to football, there was one basketball thing earlier this week with Durant settling with the Nets. What, if anything, does that mean to to what what their numbers look like here? for? Yeah, it's a big movement there. Uh, Depending where you look, third or fourth favorite, the title odds were cut in half at uh, the majority of sports books. They went from about 14-15 down to 7 when that news first popped. I mean, what usually usually happens in the NBA, when a star player demands a trade, the trade happens in some way. It, at some point, the trade's going to go down, and we haven't seen a scenario like this where yeah. uh, the star player is demanding, okay, change the coach, change the GM. No, tra- well, trade me. No. Well, okay. now what? Um, <laughs> now he back, just starts yelling at more people on Twitter, which right. is uh, which has been <laughs> a little amusing. But yeah, we're down to seven to one at some spots. There are a couple of teams with these uh, these NBA odds that I just I'd stay far away from it. The Nets would certainly be one of them. Oh yeah, there's that Kyrie situation. I, I don't know where he's going to end up playing. Um, maybe there we'll see. Uh, the Clippers are actually the second. A favorite at most spots. I mean, it's the same story every year. If they can possibly stay healthy, but it's just something we don't see. The uh, Celtics are the favorite to win the NBA title across the board. But yeah, there was certainly a big jump uh, when that news first came out, though, about Durant. I saw the Nets drop to forty to one. So if uh, you were not buying it and saying, "Okay, well that could be a play," maybe they don't work something out. Ba- basically, what we learned is owners are like, "No, we're not." F- giving up everything we have for a number of years to bring in Durant because we know how this story ends. He's he's going to go somewhere else shortly. So I thought that was the most interesting part of the story, that there were general managers or owners that are saying, no, it's it's just not worth it to give up the future of the organization for, for maybe a one shot or two shots at a title. I think we talked about when Durant made his intentions known, the odds on where he'd go. We talked about yeah. a few different teams for that. And so were the Nets not on the board there? Like, did all that money just basically get refunded? No, I, I remember the Nets being an option. Okay. But maybe they were the third or the fourth favorite. Well, you see both in those kind of things, right, Joe? Like, you see sometimes if Jimmy Garoppolo is not on the 49ers, like, where does he play? And I guess if he's on the 49ers, everything's a refund when they do it that way. Yes, Correct. Correct. And like the Baker one, that ended like most people thought it would. He ends up with, with the Panthers and the Garoppolo situation, I guess they're still waiting for that quarterback injury. They thought for a moment they probably had a buyer in the Jets, but it, it turns out it's not as serious as uh, initially reported. Yeah, so that, that time is running out on that. Like, yeah. Right, they've got to get him off the roster, otherwise they're on the hook for like $24 million, I think, after Labor Day, right? Yeah. So by a week from Monday. As silly as it sounds, is tonight important? They're playing their starters in the first half. They expect Lance to go up to the first half. Um, how he looks, wow. is that change anything? Wow. I mean, at, may, maybe you would say different, either of you. But to me, like in the fantasy world, mm-hmm. it is a hundred. it has been for weeks now, 100%. That it's Lance. Like, yeah, Garoppolo's yeah. not even practicing with them. He's on like a, a field ball by himself, throwing balls into nets. Like, there's no way they're turning back now. I think so too. I think so too. But it's like, 
sort of like a shocking thought to think that maybe yep. I mean, look if he's on if they decide they can they want the 24 million dollars of insurance of having Jimmy Garoppolo which to me is madness it was madness to me that he was on the team last year with for mm-hmm. what they owed him so especially now if they decide that and they're two and three <laughs> then okay then may because they have one Evan Silva would put it exactly this way Joe they know they can win with him yep so then it gets interesting but it's all the more reason why I've said all along they got to get him out of there because you don't want your team, if that happens, right? Which it, that's got to be in the window with with a first time starter that's that's as raw still as Lance is. Yeah, you don't want the rest of the guys on the team going. You know, we were we were in the NFC title game with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. We went to a Super Bowl with Jimmy. You got to get that just out, you got to get that off the radar for the rest of the team. I think. And at the risk of sounding like an NFL head coach, just remove that distraction because otherwise, right. that's going to be the focus. Nonstop. Uh, he is. Fandle has him all the way down to twenty-five to one to be the MVP. Trey Lance. Yeah. A lot of spots have it around forty. That's the best number you could find. I get it. We know it's going to be a quarterback. They have one of the highest win totals. Very high ceiling. If you're a buyer on him, I, I think that play actually makes a lot of sense. If you think the Niners are going to have a great season, as long as his stats aren't terrible, he's going to get a lot of credit. The bet I wanted. The bet. Whenever I would look for this. The bet I always wanted to see up there was Lance to lead the league in rushing, but because I like burning money, yeah. and so <laughs> hey, oh, I, I, bet, I bet Lamar, I bet Lamar last year to lead the league in rushing, so I understand. Were you on pace to be close at least? I mean, Derrick Henry again was just way, and then you had Taylor. Mm-hmm. But what kind of pace was Jackson on? Do you remember like feeling at all good about that at any point? I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, I was very happy for like a month. Okay, and then it was then not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's money well spent. Maybe a yeah, month is good. Yeah, you get a month out of it. That's right. That's right. It's better than, you know, betting on a couple of teams that are down three runs at 8 o'clock in the evening. and You get, like, an hour out of it. Who would do that? Hypothetically. <laughs> Who would do that? Yeah, I, I, just an idea. I, you know, I've heard of that. I, I, that's all. I don't have any experience firsthand myself. I, I place more bets while Joe is on the West Her hotline than at any other time. <laughs> and I did just scroll through at MGM to see – over under Lance rushing is five hundred seventy four and a half yards. I'm going to pound Ooh. that. Wow. I mean, I think that's a thousand yards. If you Lance I, on a lot of teams, t- tons. I mean, all of last year's teams. I picked them everywhere. I picked him over Lawrence last year because of the rushing. Like he's supposed to be amazing. You know, you Jackson type comparisons. And he's on the. I mean, he's on San Francisco. He's on a Kyle he's Shanahan on the right team. team. For it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, with like two good receivers and Kittle. I mean, they're just going to run the ball constantly. I expect them to be great at it. And so, yeah, I'm going to definitely play over 574 and a half on Lance when we're done. I'll wait till we're done because I don't want to be like weird like that. More from Joe Ostrowski from BetQL. When we return, you're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. All right, welcome back. Our final segment of Sports Talk Saturday, bringing you back to Joe Ostrowski of BetQL. Um, <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> Dallas for you two. So, Tyron Smith, like, that seems like a big deal. It, it's always said how it has to be the quarterback to move the line. Does Tyron Smith being out for, like, maybe the whole season, Joe, move anything? Um, well, I'm, I'm checking the odds. For me, it does, but I, I don't know that there would be much change. I mean, just looking from the better's perspective and some of the people that we have on the show all the time, it I haven't heard the Cowboys – brought up once 
everything related to the NFC East is which team <laughs> are you going with that's not the Cowboys. You, mm-hmm. They don't even come up in the conversation. It's Eagles or are you willing to take a dart throw on the Giants? And are, are you going to buy into the turnaround, which we see usually a couple of teams each year with the rookie head coach, usually an offensive-minded head coach? But the majority of the activity has been all about the Eagles, and part of that's been fading the Cowboys for a number of reasons. Uh, what they've lost offensively, the state of the offensive line, as opposed to a few years ago, and th- obviously that's added to it uh, this season now with Tyron Smith. And then there's also the turnover regression, which we know is coming their way. I mean, what they did, accomplished last year, we know that's probably not repeatable. So right now it is really close no matter where you look i'm i'm seeing one sports book co-favorites cowboys and eagles yeah if we go back a couple of months the eagles were much more like three to one with the cowboys as an odds-on favorite so it certainly has changed what what did that like i i know whatever i'm hearing is usually very pro philadelphia philadelphia is hot aaron Schatz likes them to win the nfc like it's Mm -hmm. analytics likes philadelphia Fantasy loves Philadelphia, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's uh, part of it, yep. You know, what else changed? Because, like, the coach doesn't have really a, a track record. The quarterback's iffy. But I don't know. They I all think have it's more about schedules. Dallas than it is about Philly. I okay. mean, I think Philly's getting a lot of juice, but I think Dallas, M- McCarthy, like, I, I, I feel like McCarthy is a slow start away from getting fired. Joe, mm-hmm. Bulldog and I have a bet. Like, I thought it was such a great bet that I just said yes, just out of respect for Bulldog. Uh, will McCarthy be their head coach week one next year? You said yes. Well, <laughs> you wow. put it that way. <laughs> You're shaking our boys, out. Joe. You're shaking them. I can't cash out at Bulldog.com. He's shook. <laughs> I thought you were going to say week eight, not week one of next well, year. I mean, okay. I don't know. It feels like you just commit to that, and they did win their. They did win 13 games. Didn't they? Twelve. Twelve. I think. But yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, they they were that, they were good. Yeah, good were was that a good. good year or a bad year? I just thought Sean Payton was already okay, agreed right. to be the coach next year. Forgot I mean, about that's that. That's what everybody's saying. Forgot about Sean Payton. <laughs> had a slow start. Yeah, I'm down on you know Jones is talking again. It's just the owner talking, but whatever. Like Will go as as Zeke goes Zeke. and all that, and like I just, I don't know, man. I I think they're I think they're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That's and this quote. injury today, the injury news today, certainly doesn't How, help them. Okay, so I was, I was bringing this up, and I was, I was laughed at on the show today. But, and I think, Bulldog, you might agree with one of these, it, it, there's always a team that finishes in last place that we're not expecting. Could it be the Cowboys, and could it also be the Patriots? Sure. I, I, yes. I, I'm down on the Patriots, too. The problem is the Jets. Yeah. Um, I think I like the Cowboys. I think I like the Cowboys more for that than I even do the Patriots because of the Jets. I, I mean, it's not to say the Giants and Washington look great or anything, but I think I like them better than the Jets. I, I'd have a hard time seeing the Patriots finish below the I mean, Jets. You've got to have what? I, I guess in the AFC West last year, last place won, won seven. The Ravens won eight and finished last. Mm last year so you could have a division where everybody's really good that's the jets point i think um but you know you, what would you want you want like five wins right you want five wins if you if you place those bets patriots and cowboys finished last and i told you they they were five and 12 you'd be happy yes 
you'd think like you had a shot at it. But you Maybe start one creeping up from there, you'd, get, you'd start getting pretty nervous. Is your bigger concern the Commanders or the Giants in the NFC East? I would say Washington. But I'm a Dable fan. Like I, I'm not sort of negative on him at all. They've had a good offseason, I think. But um, Jones, have you heard anything good about him yet this summer? Like, has there been a good Jones development at all? No. I mean, maybe there doesn't need to be one. I've heard that he's the second best quarterback on the roster. Yeah, well, at camp, mm-hmm. that I would not need much to be convinced of that. Joe Ostrowski on the Wester Hotline. Uh, speaking of Washington, I think uh, in the fantasy world, you'd be interested in this, and I'm sure it's something you've noticed. Brian Robinson skyrocketing. Oh, yeah. And the odds have taken a tumble for offensive rookie of the year. I grabbed a little bit on I think Saturday or Sunday at 50 to 1, and now we're, what, 30? Jeez. We're down to 20 at some spots. He was 125 a couple of weeks ago. But uh, he, Boy, might, he might get those opportunities. Play, yeah, right. I saw I saw today Rivera talking about how Gibson's going to run kicks back. Oh, my gosh. This he Rivera. Just, he was doing special teams last week in the preseason. Yeah. Right. No, it, I could tell you a lot. That That's right. Yeah. You know, you're trying – I'm asking this of, of guys like yourself, Joe, often of uh, fantasy analysts. Eric Eager, who you know, of course, was on. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you tell the difference when a coach is talking, you know, whether it's useful information or not? He's, his rule of thumb is if, if somebody's – criticizing it's probably true because everybody's incentive is to you know be positive coaches or beat guys whatever Rivera with coaches you know like some of them are sharp enough maybe Shanahan is, is, is an example of this some of them are sharp enough where you really have to think about whether they're playing a game with you Belichick of course like are they saying are they being honest here are they playing a game with you is he going to tell me all summer one thing and then show up and do the other like, that happened in San Francisco last year at running back. That happens in New England. I don't think Rivera, with due respect, is that guy. Like, he got asked about Gibson today. And it's like, yeah, is he going to be your starting kickoff returner? It's like, yeah, well, we need to see some more things, but uh, I think so. Like, just, I, I don't think he's messing around. I don't think he's playing a game. I think he just sort of, like, he knows he doesn't want to tell you everything. Right, but you don't think week one's going to come and Gibson's going to get 20 carries. I don't think his press conferences are strategy. I don't think he's using the, the, you know, the platform to try to deceive anybody. You know, maybe he would like to, but I don't know. I just I don't get that sense from him. So, yeah, I'm worried about Gibson. I bet offensive rookie, I should know these, these odds, and I don't. Offensive rookie of the year is probably really interesting. Well, yeah, the reason it's so interesting is because in most years, if there's a quarterback, it's likely going to go that way if they have a, a quality season. And it's it's just so wide open because we don't know. We don't know when Pickett is going to get the time. But what we do know is after one preseason game, George Pickens went from 40-1 to 1 to the favorite at some spots. Yeah. Which is crazy. Crazy movement there. Oh my gosh, Pacheco yeah. and Romeo Dobbs. These guys are they're probably mm-hmm. all have they probably all have steam on, on that it list. It feels to me like the wind is blowing toward Pickett winning that job this weekend. Really? Yeah, that's the the way it has sounded. I think Tomlin was asked something this week about like you know th- this weekend mattering for roster battles, and someone followed up specifically. Does that pertain to quarterback too? Now it, it didn't have to be starter. I mean they've got three guys there. But he, he answered quickly, affirmatively, yes. And I don't know. I, I feel like we know Andrew Filipponi in Pittsburgh used to work with us here, Joe, in Buffalo for a little while. Mm-hmm. And 
it, it just it, it feels to me like Pickett's got a chance to win the job if he's good this weekend. I felt the same way. Like, okay, it's a problem. If you're at the last preseason game and you truly don't know who your better option is at quarterback, that just told me that he wants it to be Pickett really mm-hmm. bad. He should. And, he, and he's giving him that one more opportunity to go steal the job from Trubisky. If not, they start with a couple of challenging games, and I think the Jets are week four. It seems like three or four, that would be the perfect spot to go to Pickett if it's not from the from the from the jump they played the bengals week one you know they've never played week yeah. one really yeah i like the steelers plus six and a half what why would it I, okay i don't know That's why, just... why would it be possible that <laughs> they've thank never you, played Joe. week thank one you for that noted why would how could that be possible 50 years same division yeah. they've never played the opener that is shocking you like pittsburgh there with the points yes yes and well, if if they go to pick it maybe we'll get seven but... yeah like that's one that's sort of a you know, game within the game situation where if you think there might be a change to what we're all expecting, most of us are expecting a quarterback, what might that mean to line and play it one way? And I think Bill's Rams a little bit. You and I talked about this separately. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, two and a half. Wow. I mean, everybody loves this Bills team, but that's the Super Bowl winner. At, so they don't have Von Miller, but come on. And you said to me, well, it's not going to three uh, for one thing. And uh, it hasn't. And it's Stafford's elbow, probably, or the running backs, too, but Stafford's elbow. So if we get to, you know, what, two weeks from yesterday or something and nobody's worried about it, don't, doesn't that line move toward the Rams? I would think so, but, you know, I've been wrong. I could be wrong. I don't think it gets a three, but if you hear more information against Stafford, then, yeah, we could get there. If there's more speculation, it could get past three, but I do, I do think it stays at two and a half. Right now, I mean, it's so early. The majority of bets we know they're going to come in that week. They're going to happen on that Thursday. But everything I've seen, it's 75% of the bets in the bills. So if the books decide that they want some Rams money, they move it to three, they get it from all the pros, and then they can uh, get off the three if they want to. Okay. Should I have not? Should I not have shared that? Usually I would not have done that. I didn't, no. I didn't check no. with you. No, no, I would, have okay. sa- I would have said this exact same thing on the air. Okay. All right, Joe, any questions for us? No. Oh, yeah, okay, I got one. I got one. I always say no, and then, uh, then something You think of something. Yeah. Uh, are we betting the bills tomorrow? <laughs> well, I, you know, what is it, six? It's six. Uh, one of the sharper offshore books already went to seven, so I'm thinking the rest of the market might follow. They never lose in the preseason. Though. Ten in a row now. We're getting a touchdown. Yeah. How many points should Carolina score in that game? Nineteen. Case Keenum. Yeah, I, I think I like it. Okay. I think I would take. I think I would take the points there. Surprising. It just felt like an overreaction to Carolina starters playing Baker out there for one quarter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. People might forget that it's Carolina starters. Yeah. That's the thing. Right? Wasn't Bills Denver six? Like that's a big number for the preseason. Wow, and they won by thirty. Right. You know? Yes. Yes. And Allen played one drive, and they still won by 30. All right, good stuff. Thanks, uh, Joe. Joe Ostrowski there from BetQL. He was on the afternoon show on Thursday, his weekly segment with Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Big thanks to my guests today, uh, Matt Prino, New York Upstate, earlier on, uh, to Antoine Staley of the New York Daily News, and, of course, my good pal, Mark Schofield of the Touchdown Wire. Going to take a break and um, 
local programming back Monday morning. Howard and Jeremy will be back with you bright and early. And um, otherwise, the Bills uh, press conference, 3 p.m. today, we should have up on demand on the website at WGR550.com if you'd like to listen to that. Uh, Otherwise, appreciate everyone for listening today. Another edition of Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.